Hello and welcome to the Arcade Hangout, uh, a group of arcade hobbyists who get together once a week, uh, talk about arcade games, arcade collecting, tools, technology, and the occasional gameplay video as well. Um, we got a bunch of regulars that show up here every week, and then we have some people that also tend to um, pop in once every few weeks or so. So what we like to do to start off with is just go around the room, uh, let everybody introduce themselves to you, and um, they can get the little plugs in uh, as well if they so wish. So I am Orange Whip. Um, I am, I guess, one of the co-starters of this, I would say. Um, just wanted to talk more about arcade stuff after uh, the arcade hangout. Uh, sorry, after Arcade Outsiders was over, and we just decided to start recording it, and uh, that's it. So the only thing I have to plug right now is this show. Uh, make sure you subscribe, and uh, we'll try to add more stuff to it as we go and get more interesting people in and out of here. And uh, by all means, if you have any questions or anything like that, send me a message on YouTube, or if you're on Clove, I'm Orange Whip, and uh, come on on live, ask questions, or ask questions in the thread, and we'll try to answer them uh, live on the show. So let's go around the room. Um, I don't know who else wants to go first. Let's go Crafty. You can introduce yourself, and then we'll see if we can get everybody to go in order after that. Hey, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'm Crafty, or just Aaron. Um, out in the garage tonight working on uh, an orange DK that I'll talk about in my little roundup for the week. But uh, I... Uh, Cloud member and uh, to make a couple products on the side that um, or monitors, arcade monitor testing. So that's about it. And what are those products, Aaron? <laughs> well, the <laughs> test pattern generator that would be the number one, I guess. <laughs> We're testing uh, testing arcade monitors, raster monitors, uh, the TPG. And uh, my website is just craftymech.com, where there's more info about that as well. Cool. Um, all right, I'll, let's go uh, to Adam. Sure, so my name is Adam, uh, or AJCRM125 on the CLOB forums. Um, most of the guys on CLOB know me at, uh, because of my YouTube videos, so um, I try to do uh, videos recording repairs that I do. Um, I do a lot of Nintendo uh, repairs, especially Punch-Out uh, and Donkey Kong and, and the like. Um, so I do uh, repair videos and throws up, throw, throw those up on YouTube. Um, and I also am working on uh, a FPGA replacement for the Pole Position, which is known as Pole Position Clone right now. Um, it's kind of the working title. So that's in the works and it's been in the works for a while, uh, but we're, we're getting closer to uh, finishing that guy. Um, I have a website, onecircuit.com. You can uh, check me out there, too. And I have um, uh, CoinUp, which is what I mainly sell right now, which is a little device that you can put in your uh, arcade games that don't have free play, and they give you uh, virtual free play. Um, so aside from that, you know, just doing board repairs when I have time. Um, guys who know me know that I'm a very busy guy. Um, you know, my, my work really kind of takes over most of my free time, but I still am, you know, very into the hobby and enjoy, um, you know, hanging out with these guys and um, just catching up with guys that are into the same stuff that I'm into. Cool. Uh, all right, let's go, Andrew. Sure, yeah. So, uh, Andrew, uh, 34K on you can find me at my channel on YouTube at uh, youtube.com, the bit bar. 
I finished up a series of Red Tank videos fairly recently. I've moved on to working on uh, my, some of the other games. Uh, the next one in the series is Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo uh, in the big blue behind me. That series is coming along, but uh, yeah, you can, you can follow that, that along. And then I've got actually projects for all the rest of the crap you see behind me. Everything here from from uh, my Judge Dredd Pinball Machine, which will probably be the next project I start featuring, to, oh, I, like I said, everything else behind me. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. You, you said you're a founding kind of a collaborator. I don't know if I qualify as a founding collaborator in the, uh, the channel here, but something like that. Uh, yeah, I believe you. I believe you were the first one I asked if you wanted to do something like this afterwards. Yes, I, I think I might have even mentioned it when we were at the uh, fun spot, even in the yeah. car. I think. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's go uh, to Seabart. Hey everyone, Chris, aka Seabart1987. You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, and Klov. I'm currently restoring a truck and field. And I made a little progress this week and hit some bumps in the road that I might get smoothed out uh, tonight, hopefully. Cool. Uh, and the reason why I called him by his uh, his kind of handle rather than his first name is because we have more than one Chris. Uh, we also have more than one Steve on occasion and sometimes more than one Mike as well. So sometimes <laughs> I'll mix their real names up with their uh, their kind of handles. So... Uh, and I will be doing that again right now. So, uh, Gak, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. Uh, hello. This is Chris. Uh, I go by Gak Attack on KLOV. Also have uh, a couple other avenues. Uh, if you like uh, craft beer, go to Untapped at Gak Attack or uh, Twitter or even uh, Instagram. I do a little bit there too, Gak Attack Arcade. So. I, I mostly I'm not too much of a technical guy to be honest. I I just enjoy hanging out and playing the games. Uh, lots of stories and friends, and been doing this for a few years, so uh, I I really enjoy hanging out with all you guys. So um, that's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> cool. Thank you. And uh, next on the list would be Mr. Mock. Uh, hello. Uh... <laughs> My name is Steve. Also, uh, Mock the Magic Man, I go by. Um, I'm founder of AdamalMeals.com. Uh, it's a recreation of an extinct ride at uh, Disneyland. Um, but I have a big passion for arcade games, so I kind of just into this uh, field. And um, uh, I'm dabbling right now in pinball, but I plan to get more machines and. Uh, also, I'm planning on making some Target stickers. Uh, I see some online, and I don't like all the ones that I see. So since I'm a graphic designer and multimedia designer, I'll probably be uh, making some of those in the future. Um, I'm probably not going to uh, promote um, uh, what is it, an advertisement for my special effects for Halloween. It's not really arcade-related. Um, so I'll just kind of stick to the arcade stuff. Um, and uh, I'll do my 10-second spotlight, I guess, when we go around the room. But um, I guess that's about it. All right, I got to say, all right, so this is the first time we've run through the intros, right? <laughs> <laughs> How fucking awkward is this? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't with the structure. I you know. I know. It's weird. Like, <laughs> that is and we just all feel like we're like we have to give our fucking resumes. <laughs> and that is not the way this show is. This is really not the way that we normally do these these Tuesday hangouts. It's normally very relaxed. <laughs> But we're, yeah, tra- we're trying something new. All of us. It felt like like we're fucking standing here giving our goddamn resumes. So we'll have to work on that. We'll get we'll we'll get. Better. Maybe I'll write something out next time. I know, right? Yeah, no, it's, I know. We, we, and, and like I said, like uh, Orange Whip and I, I just I sort of sprung this on him, and he kind of sprung this on you guys, and so it's just it's well, people that do this like all the time, they go into an automatic mode, and they know exactly what to say, and they just run yeah. through it. Boom, and then they're done. But you know, I'm, sure, we I'm sure we'll get much more comfortable. And, and what the great part is is like when when Jim Bodini almost uh, always is here joining us. And and when Buffett joins us, like they're going to do the same thing, so we can make fun of them when they do it. There you go. It'll be great. It'll be like wine. It'll get better with age. That's. <laughs> My name is Crafty. C is for cool. R is for bad. <laughs> A is for awesome. There, <laughs> there's actually something that um, I believe Gak brought up that I thought maybe be kind of cool. I don't know if we've actually talked about this in you know the months we've been doing this. Um, how long has everybody been actually doing this stuff, like um, collecting their first game, part of Clove, uh, that sort of thing? Yeah, I'd be interested to hear how, how each of us got our first game. Yeah, right. I don't think that's ever been mentioned. New segment. There you go. <laughs> that's cool. We have a subject every week of something like that. There, there you go. go. Does anybody want to start? Um, well, yeah, I could, I could just start off real quick. Go for it, Aaron. About, I guess, two and a half years ago, I just started, uh, I, what are they? Noob. Noob. <laughs> I got a few boards, you know, I got a few game boards, because um, I wanted, you know, I was interested. First, I was, I remembered, you know, back in 99, I wanted to build, like, a main cabinet, and I was like, well, maybe I'll take a look at that again. So I started looking around, and then I was like, wait a minute, the original hardware is, like, pretty cheap, like, 50 bucks for a board. So I bought some boards and just made, like, a little jam, a test bench, and Start tinkering around with them because that's kind of kind of a tinkerer, electronic tinkerer kind of guy. So I like to do that, and um, one thing led to another, and then eventually, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, I picked up my first cab, which was a Naomi. It was actually a, a Jambo Safari, but it's a Naomi Naomi Universal cab. That's kind of why I got it because I wanted to convert it back into just a regular, like two-player, six-button Naomi Naomi Universal cab. And um, and now I have like uh, uh, six or s- yeah six or seven cabs or six cabs right now. Now, so you're losing track just like your wife will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two that are fully operational: an MK2 and a red tent, courtesy of Andrew, which looks amazing. And uh, uh, Tempest and a Scramble. That actually, uh, Tempest needs a motor rebuild. Scramble works great. Looks good. And uh, I'm working on getting a Donkey Kong Jr. together um, with a cab I just got dropped off yesterday. So Nice. And I got, uh, about a year and a half ago is when I posted that thread on Claude asking, um, hey, is anybody be interested in, like, a, a little device that could generate test patterns for raster monitors, like crosshatch and color bars and things like that? 
because I, I was just offhand, I was just playing with microcontrollers and I had some code to generate VGA signals and I adapted it to generate uh, standard res signals. And I figured no one would really care about that or maybe there are already tools out there. I got, you know, and that's where the TPG kind of came from. It just kind of took off from there. So. so Crafty, I assume your your day job relates to circuit board design or software engineering, something like that? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on the software side. Uh, web development, you know, internet development is my day job. Uh, cool. Where I freelance and basically work from home. So Nice. Things kind of blend together. Like today I knocked the base, the crappy base off this Donkey Kong instead of doing work. <laughs> <laughs> I got covered in spiders. Yeah, there are some spiders in the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> I sprayed them with raid. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> they're in spider heaven now, but <laughs> they're little babies though, probably in my skin, so we'll find out about that later. But yeah, that's my story. Joel, do you want to pass it along to somebody? Oh, I'll pass it on to uh Wait, before you before you pass it on, Aaron, um like what's your big connection with arcades like in your past? I mean, you know, we all played games on oh. arcade back in the day, but like, you have a big story from, like, what was your big connection as a youth to arcades? Do you have one? Well, I grew up in the foothills outside of Denver, so, like, we uh, we didn't have any fast food, no malls, and we had one movie theater where the screen wasn't tall enough, so I could never see Darth Vader's head in any of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> so we didn't have any arcades, except at, like, the Safeway, where my parents took me and my brother every Saturday morning. They drop us off at like there were two or three games there. There was like a Donkey Kong Junior, and I can't remember what else is there. But there was always a Junior there, so you know we put three or four quarters in that. Or at the pizza place on Fridays nights, there was like a Pac-Man cocktail that I would always play. So that's kind of my earliest memory. Um, and then you know I play that stuff, and then I'd go home where I had like a Commodore 64. Before that, I had like a Vic 20, really, you know, like 8K of memory total for a small little personal computer, but. And I would always get frustrated I couldn't make those games because, you know, it was totally different, <laughs> you know, level of technology. So I just, you know, I, I just loved to play them as a kid and then as I, as I grew up, um, kept playing them until about the early 90s, you know, when I, about the time everybody else stopped going to arcades because they started disappearing and consoles got big. And so, you know, I, the last arcade game I played in the arcade, I think, was MK2. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... A lot of 80s stuff. I remember all the early 80s stuff I remember pretty fondly, like Galaga and Pac-Man and Frogger and, you know, Centipede and Donkey Kong, all that good stuff. Oh, and the really terrible Atari 2600 port of Pac-Man. Oh. <laughs> that disappointed me so much. The flashing screen. Oh, God, so terrible. <laughs> You know, the Donkey Kong on the 2600 was not bad. It, it, I think it only had that first level. No, it had two levels. Oh, it had yeah, two levels. It had two. Fireballs. But Donkey like, Kong was like that. Our joystick broke uh, at about that same time. It wouldn't go left anymore, and I didn't know anything about hardware at that point, you know, as a kid. So, so it's like we kind of, we never really played it much, and, you know, I... Didn't really play the 2600 after that because I had a bad joystick. Mm. Was that the thing where like the uh, the top came off and you had to play with a little white stick underneath? Right. It would make that funny like grindy, like like rubbery grindy sound when you 
we're trying to play. <laughs> they had some really cool games, though, for that. Though, like Yard's Revenge and Deep Demon Attack. and They had some really good 2600. And Miss Pac-Man was pretty awesome when they finally came out, came out with that. Oh, yeah, I don't think I ever played Miss Pac-Man. Out on those. <laughs> yeah, Miss Pac was way tighter than Pac-Man. But it's funny, though, oh. like, Pac-Man craze was so insane at that time. It was such a rushed programming job. <laughs> I know, but like I still remember, like maybe I, maybe I'm just like a, a year or two younger than you guys. But I, I remember like Pac-Man was one of the. I was obviously very excited to get it, like everyone else was. But I fucking loved it. Yeah, same here. I, I, I think was, I was I was too young and too stupid to notice that it wasn't like a direct <laughs> arcade port. I was just excited to be able to play a video game on my TV at home. That was like a mind blowing experience for me. Yeah, I no, still, we, I know people hate it, and like in retrospect, yeah, it's a terrible fucking game, it's a terrible port. But to go but, from Pong to Pac-Man, that version of Pac-Man was leaps and bounds, right? And so, right. Well, we we could tell that they could have done better. You know, you could just tell we're like, mm, this could this could be better. It felt it felt rushed when when we were playing it. Well, wasn't the problem with Pac-Man? It was it was not like in the early days of the 2600 either, was it? It was like towards the middle, I think. Yeah. So, so you had played a bunch of games that were decent already, right? And then you just got that piece of crap. That I mean, I same thing. I went to my friend's place and played it all the time. Yeah. I, I was pretty, I was pretty spoiled. My my dad was a software engineer dating back to the '60s in Southern California, and so he was always a techie kind of guy. And I, I think it was Christmas of 1980. We got a Atari eight, uh, sorry, 400, Atari 400, the one with the bubble keys on the keyboard. Oh yeah, and uh, the Pac-Man on that one, I, I, I think that was the best one out at the home consoles in the day. I, I just remember my cousin had a 2600. We went over there, and I was like, ah, oh, this is just terrible because I was used to the Atari 400. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys, like one of those things though, like you just don't know any better as a kid. At least that's the way it was for me. Yeah, like, I didn't know any better. I fucking loved it. I mean, guys... my brother and I, we we'd stay up all night playing uh, Asteroids on that game. I mean, it's like the same level over and over and over, pretty much. Yeah. But we'd play till the sun came up. I, I just, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> Parents had no idea, of course. Summertime, you know, <laughs> we're asleep no. when they get up. <laughs> Did you guys ever play Defender on the 2600, where every time you fired, your ship disappeared? <laughs> I recall something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can handle like the, the amount of action going on, so you know how everything's ghosting. But it was so yeah. bad that every time you fired, your your ship would disappear. It would actually was, help. As far as 2600s go, though, that was a pretty good game. That yeah, it was decent for 2600. Yeah. But it was, it was, and then they came out with uh, Activision came out with uh, uh, what was it? The, the helicopter one. It was like Defender. It was like Chopper, chopper Command or Chopper. Yeah, something like that. But it was actually that was pretty awesome too. Like, like any Activision game back then. So. Oh yeah, like Pitfall. Pitfall was like yeah. my favorite twenty six hundred game. Yeah, a River Raid or yeah, I was just gonna say River Raid, Raid, Pitfall. Awesome. I, I like Decathlon. Uh, Journey. Oh, yeah. I recall oh, Journey yeah. being a fun game too on that. Oh. Wow. Decathlon. I used to rip the rubber off the joystick just so because it made you go faster. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mega Mania. Yeah. Mega Mania. That was a trippy uh, one. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I I, um, I love reading stories about. The, like uh, David Crane and those early 2600 guys that wrote those games um, and just you know all the, the weird tricks and stuff they had to do to get the games to work and that limited amount of memory and yeah. like the 2600 had something like 128 bytes of video memory yeah. and just you know the weird split screen stuff you know where it mirror the pixels on each side and 
how they were working right in the middle of the raster signal. You know, it wasn't like they had an advanced video library. It was pretty much just, you know, uh, taking your outputs high at the right time to paint, you know, uh, colors on the screen. So that, you know, that kind of stuff, when I started working on the TPG, it was like, oh, it's kind of cool working in, uh, you know, assembly language, doing something kind of similar where you're, you're, you're actually controlling the output signal. You're rendering in real time through the video signal. So it was kind of fun. But, yeah, those, I, if I'd been 10 years older, maybe, or 15 years older, that would have been the place to be. I guess any time in the last 30 years, California would have been the place to be. Uh-huh. You know, working at some of those early companies like Atari or Activision, yeah, that would have been a blast. I mean, Atari had a hot tub in it, and they'd smoke pot after work and shit. It was crazy. <laughs> I actually uh, work from time to time with a guy who used to work for Epix, E-P-Y-X. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's one of the creators of uh, California Games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His name's Kevin Furry. What's that? That was the chick with the bikini on the cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only game that ever had hacky sack on it. <laughs> oh, no, there was, yeah, oh. The NES game had a hacky sack. It was really was bad. Well, yeah, I was, uh, uh, Crafty, you were mentioning the, the, the code and stuff with the 2600. There's actually a, a, a great interview on um, Broken Token podcast. They interview the guy who started Activision. I don't oh, remember yeah, the guy's okay. name now. But it, it's an awesome interview. If you can look through their uh, files and find that interview, it's it's really great how he, he tells the story of how they transitioned from Atari to starting Activision and developing the how the, the screen would do these scan lines back and forth. That was what was causing that flicker. And, oh, right. Um, Atari actually tried to sue him and Activision when they were developing games for Atari, but they were the ones who developed the system that worked on Atari to do that. So it's it pretty well pretty well uh, done that interview but for sure check it out you guys get check that out yeah I can't remember the guy's name uh, I want to say Doug something I, I can't remember right now but I think yeah. there was a whole group of them wasn't there it was a bunch of programmers and yeah, artists and that, stuff that I believe there was like five or six guys that left at once but he I think he was kind of the head guy that yeah um, I think they were all yeah. upset that they weren't getting credit and exactly. profit sharing and all that kind of stuff and jump ship yep exactly yeah, he he said something like, you know, they the developers were getting upset because they weren't getting any royalties, and they sat down with the execs at Atari, and and they were like, you know, we we should get you know some credit here, and we should get royalties, and, and the guy's like, you know, you guys are just workers, you guys do this, you're you're no different than the custodian that cleans up bathrooms. Yeah. Like, oh wow, you know, mistake. You tell a bunch of really smart dudes that shit. That's a great way yeah. to. Yeah, that's just to de- devalue them, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, so. Put them in their place. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that was back when like one one person would do an entire game. Even yeah. in, uh, even in the arcade business, like one or two people would do like an entire game. Yeah. Graphics, sound, like everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one guy leaves your company, goes to another company. He, well, like, I think David Crane left Atari and went, yeah, he went to Activision after Atari. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Pitfall came out. So it's like, well, that could have been an Atari game. Right. That might be this guy, same guy I'm talking about. I can't remember his name. David Crane, yeah, I think, I can't no. remember. I don't know if he started Activision. I just remember he uh, he did several of the early carts that were really successful. That was a group. 
a group of them left. And yeah, I, I'm looking at yeah. here. David Crane, Larry Kaplan, and Alan Miller. Yeah. Uh, and Bob Whitehead, looks right. like. Cool. Crafty, you want to pass it on to somebody else then? Uh, help some, somebody started their uh, arcade journey, I guess? Yeah, I'll pass it on to uh, Mope the Magic Man. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. Uh, I started with a meme cabinet, like a lot of people. Um, uh, but I didn't wreck a cabinet because I didn't want to be one of those guys, you know, that tears apart a classic. Um, it did cross my mind, but I'm like, no, I'm going to build it from scratch. So I built it all up um, completely from scratch. Uh, and that was kind of like the bug after that. Um, and then uh, after meeting everybody at Grinker's, I was like, oh, i got to get some machines. <laughs> so I just didn't have the room at the time. So now that I've moved, um, now I have this space, I'll be filling it up. And my first machine, I guess, officially is the Spider-Man pin. Um, but I'm planning to get a lot more. It's just lack of funds, as, as you know. So, um, But uh, there'll be more coming for sure. Oh, and you can see the little signs right there. Thanks to... Uh, Orange Whip's uh, suggestion going to um, uh, Hobby Lobby and a bunch of other uh, uh, people that when I posted it on Facebook all made trips to Hobby Lobby to pick those up. So thanks for the uh, tip. I guess um, I should have had uh, shares in uh, Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, as far as like uh, being a child in uh, video games, um, I, I'm, a, I'm an only child, so... I had a, being an only child, you have a really overprotective mother who didn't want me to go to arcades so I wouldn't do drugs, you know, that kind of thing. So it was only a special occasion, like somebody's birthday or something, I can go to an arcade, or if there happened to be some games at a, at, a, at a grocery store or maybe a restaurant, I could go to those, but not arcades that had, you know, all, all the games that you want to play. So it's kind of like one of those things where I guess now I'm like, playing catch-up. <laughs> um, but as far as, like, uh, Dragon's Lair is concerned, um, uh, that was actually at a round table, and that was one of the places I was allowed to go to back then, so I'd ride my bike to one and use my allowance on it and play the crap out of it and get really good at it, and same with Space Ace and stuff like that, so that's and what I'm good at. Sorry, Mark, that's, that's a pizza joint, right? Round table pizza? Yeah, round table pizza, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, that's why I'm really, really good at that game, is just because like that was that and one other game I think was there to play, um, but they would rotate games out, you know. So and then when I get older, of course, you know, I could go where I wanted and do what I want. But I don't know. It's one of those things that, as a child, it always felt like it was an overly special occasion just to be able to get to an arcade and um, uh, play these games. Um, so not a lot of nostalgia for it. So that's about it. Awesome. Cool. All right, so I'll throw it to, let's see. Who is available? How about slide 12? Is he participating? Are you guys doing good to hear me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah welcome. Hey, so, guys. Big fan, big fan of you guys. Um, I'm on Clav. I'm Chuck12. I don't, I don't really post too much on Clav. I'm more of a reader and uh, <laughs> not too much of a writer. Uh, there's so much information on there, you know. I just go on there and uh, and read what's up with the pros. Actually, I've been in the hobby since 2001, and the three machines behind me, I got them in 2001 from an operator in Tampa. I'm down here nice. in Miami. 
and uh, basically they're original, pretty much untouched, except the Donkey Kong, which is why I wanted to get on today. My Donkey Kong needs a little work, you know, on the cosmetic side, you know, side art, uh, team molding, and a few things. And I wanted to get you guys' opinion on who who are the right makers of uh, side art and stuff for 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 DK. What's that's a great question. So the side art for DK that's available right now, um, I think typically it's the stuff you get from ArcadeShop.com. Yeah. But I'll tell you straight up, like we've had a couple discussions on Clav, which have been really interesting. Um, the side art that's available right now is not very accurate. However, it is the best you can get right now. So unless you're going to create your own or push for the Clav community to actually get some good side art scans and uh, for someone to vectorize that and rebuild it and then get it printed, uh, that's going to be the best you're going to get. And, and really, uh, 34K, unless you got it sitting next to an original side art, can you, can you tell that big of a difference? Oh, yeah. You can? Well, all right, so, and I didn't, I didn't talk about this in my little introduction, but uh, I'm a, I am a graphic artist by, by trade, and then a uh, graphic artist turned programmer. Um, so actually, I've, I've done a bunch of vector artwork for other projects. Actually, I just wrapped up one for, for Sean uh, from Arcade Outsiders. Uh, we're doing the entire um, custom bezel that we did for, for uh, Dr. Mario, for versus Dr. Mario. Nice. Um, so, yeah, and then, uh, and Chris, you guys probably know, like, so I'm also, like, the, uh, the, the creative guy behind uh, the other Arcade Outsiders stuff. So, yeah, like, artwork is definitely, like, one of my fortes. Um, looking at the side art, um, as an artist, you can tell in a heartbeat if it's the good stuff or the bad stuff. Right. Uh, well, actually, I guess if it's the original stuff or if it's the the, the vectors just aren't very clean. Uh, there's some problems. One of the one of the easiest ones to look at is Donkey Kong's hand um, and the uh, the flames behind uh, in the background of the side art. And all of it's done. It's not. It's clearly not done at the original stuff. You can tell by. Uh, and is it is it silk screen the other repro or not? That's a great question. I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's funny because I've, I've actually got it on that red dot hung behind me, and it's definitely the repro stuff. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But Mike's arcade has it too. Who does? Mike's arcade. Yeah, it's the same stuff. Is it? So it's silk screened. It says. Okay. Hmm. So, I mean, the, the the print quality and like the the, the vinyl quality and, and like feeling it, like it looks great and it feels great. It's just the artwork itself is uh, flawed. Now that yeah. said, it is the best you're going to get, and it's available. Yep. So I would say if you're looking for a place just to get some good side art put on your Donkey Kong, that's the place to get it from. And that's the only one you can get it from? If, if you want to get original, if you want to go crazy, if you're doing like a, a an insane restoration and you really, really give a shit about stuff, um, you'd be on you to figure out what to do to fix that. So, like, Richie Knuckles, who has a Kong off every year, and he's always pull, pulling together a whole bunch of machines, and he's always redoing the labels on the sides of these Donkey Kongs. Is he going, he's getting it the same place, or well, you have a, a, a special place he gets it? Uh, it's probably the same stuff. It's probably the same artwork. Uh, the, I've seen the, because we had Kong off here in Denver for a couple of years. Yeah. Actually, the last couple of years, aside from this year. Yeah, they did completely custom wraps on those things. They had like four. He did, but but then doesn't he turn them back again? No, he doesn't. I thought he did, and he'd sell them off. 
No, they're they're sold as uh, um, Kong off branded. Oh. Yeah, I recall okay. seeing a video where uh, John did a walkthrough over there at One Up, and then some yeah. back room they had them that were still had the Coors Light wraps on them or whatever. Well, that was one of all the tappers. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. None of the machines uh, have been for sale, or at least none of them have been sold as far as I've ever heard. Crafty, maybe, I don't know, you talked to John too. I don't know if you know that many of those machines have been sold. But upstairs at One Up, yeah, there's a whole room of Donkey Kong machines. <laughs> Wow. And I mentioned I mentioned that to Rich, Richie when I met him, and uh, he's like, "How did you know about that?" I'm like, "Well, it's on a whole video yeah. <laughs> online." In person, and I've seen the room where they're stored upstairs and one up, and um, that's all custom stuff. I, I I didn't look closely at the side art to see if it, it had been redone, but they're all like custom wraps. I kind of doubt they, they they probably use the same artwork. You know what's funny is I've actually seen Rich from this old game actually apply. At uh, one of the Seattle shows, he applied as a demo some Donkey Kong side art. I have a hard time believing he got that from somebody else. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't sell it on site. I know that. I've maybe he just inked his own or something. He might have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a lot closer to Nintendo uh, geographically, so maybe he's trying to stay away from that or something. Be, like I said, I, all I'm saying is like the stuff that's available, that's definitely um, flawed. But it is the best stuff we have. So if you're looking for the artwork, you can get it from Mike's Arcade or Arcade Shop at least. And um, that's, I, I would say most collectors would say that's the artwork that you're going to find, you're going to get, and you're going to put in the machine. Yeah, maybe I'll just uh, keep an eye on Clov and see if they come up with something better. That's why you know I depend on you guys with a good eye. To, to give those recommendations. Well, so if you're on Club, there's a thread that I think Ty started. Yeah, I was going to say Ty. I think he was the one who first brought it to everyone's attention how flawed it was. And I only bring it up just because, like, if you're really being anal retentive by your restoration, it's, it is, like I said, it's the artwork we have available, so it's what we all use, but it's not perfect. Yeah. Uh, as far but as team molding, the team molding goes, I know teammolding.com has the Nintendo stuff. I think John has um, John Jacobson has Arcade Shop on both of his. I'm yeah. pretty sure he, if I remember one of his videos talking about that. Who does the uh, the true flat T molding? Is that Chomping Quarters or one of those? Yeah, flat? Chomping yeah. Quarters. So that's T molding T molding .com says they have flat Nintendo stuff too. Hmm. But it depends on the on the cabinet, right? If you have a plywood or a uh, or a, right. uh, MDF, there's a different. Uh, yeah, offset, yeah. offset and one's not. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. Offsets, yeah. You get the right T molding for that. Yeah. I want to say yeah. the plywood one is centered, and the non-plywood usually it's the orange cabinets or the off-center. Right. Yeah, mine's yep. a plywood, so yeah, and I guess I need the offset. But no, I think yours is centered if it's plywood. Oh, that's right. Yeah, centered. It's yeah, this, the plywood ones are centered, and the particle board are offset. Yeah. So if you got a plywood cab, that's a Japanese cab, which is awesome. That's the right cab. Yeah, I hate those particles. I got two of them upstairs, and then yeah, they get all chunky at the back. You get the little chips and chunks across I'm the back. I'm always wondering if it would be less time to repro. You know what I mean? Just get a piece of nice cabinet grade plywood, trace the damn thing out, cut it, than it is to bondo and sand and go through all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, what do I want to spend my time? 
Yeah, it's, I know that there's a guy here in Boulder, uh, or up in Boulder near Denver, that he does CNC plywood Donkey Kong replicas. Mm. Um, and they, they, I think they want like 600 bucks for the flat pack. Flip it to you, but, and they, they sell them as like 60 and one or arcade SD builds for like 1400 bucks on Craig's all the time. Or they, they're there. I don't know if anybody buys them, but right. Well, no, they, they buy them. That's, that's like one of the crazy things. Like people actually, there's, there's one dude up there as my understanding. It's like his full-time job is just building and selling these caps. Well, so you were saying, Brad, right? You were saying like every once in a while when you need a few bucks, you'll just buy something and turn it into a multi and flip it? Yep. That's not a repro cap. No. <laughs> do, you know do you know if the particle board uh, Nintendo cabs, if the entire thing is, is particle board or is it just the sides? Like is the yes. front plate and everything, is that plywood and the back door yes, is plywood? The sides, yeah. Because I, so, I yeah, have I mean, a blue one right here that's like a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a great point. Yeah, crap. You've got you've got both a, a plywood cab and a particle board cab right in front of you. Right, I do. Yeah, I'm working on yep. the plywood one now, and but the, the particle board the, one. Um, I was surprised too because I thought, oh, it must all be particle board, but uh, yeah, just the sides are particle board. The insides and everything else is plywood. Yeah, boy, that, I'm wondering if I should just do that and then fart around with the. Particle the particle board. board is really bad on Nintendo's too. Yeah, it's like it's really flaky stuff. Right. I, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I so I, I I lay down the bondo and I get you know all these sections done, and as I'm just kind of doing the finished sanding, it's like more of it's flaking off on the edges, and I'm just like, come on, it's like I feel like I'm, you know, hate particle board fighting losing battle. Yeah. Like the Ido cabinets, same thing. They're all the yeah. <laughs> now just disintegrating. Yeah. Especially at the base. Yeah, I need I need the team molding like you got over there, Andrew. I can see there. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah, that's. If, you, if you notice, my mine's got black team molding. That's what the operator put on when I bought it. So I want to change it and make it look as good as yours. Yeah, I don't want to say anything, but yeah, that's the first thing I noticed in your cab. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, that white team molding. Yeah, get it, get it. Uh, that's yeah, it's from teamolding.com or um, chomping quarters, I think. Quarters, yeah. Either one of those places, wherever you can get the cheapest, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that expensive. I was surprised. I mean, it's like like twenty bucks for pretty much all you would need. Yeah. Teamolding.com, I think it's fifty cents a foot. Oh, that's not bad at all. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna get a. That's roughly twenty feet as a cab, I think. And the middle is the middle one that goes across. Is it the same same stuff as well? The flat. Yep, it is. Yeah, so you might want to get a little bit more for Nintendo, maybe twenty-five, just because of that. You have to do that cross piece as well, right below the bezel. Yeah, I mean, you can measure it, but it actually, it's Nintendo. It only goes from the bottom just to the top. It doesn't wrap around the whole cabinet. Yeah, it doesn't go yeah. down. And, the back it, and it is the smaller cabinet too, I guess. Yeah, it's like one of the smaller non-cabarets. I thought that little piece right uh, on the control panel. I thought that was a different piece, though. No, is it no. the same stuff? I think it huh. is the same stuff. Okay. Yeah, Last yeah, one I did, I believe I used the same stuff. I, I want to say the control panel one is always centered, and then the sides, depending on if they're uh, right, plywood right. or not, they're off-center or not. John had a bunch panel of leftovers, always... and he gave me two pieces. He gave me a piece to do the sides, and then he gave me a piece to put on the control panel, and I want to say that they're, like you said, the the um, the control panel is, uh, I think, uh, centered, right? Yeah. 
Well, it, have it'll, be, it'll be plywood, right? It won't be... It yeah, won't be right. Exactly. So the sides... Yeah, so I guess depending on the cabinet, right? If you got a plywood cabinet, then... Yeah, the it'll whole all thing be the should same. just get all centered yeah. and you're all set. But if you got the... If you get the crap like I do, then <laughs> you got to order different pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think 22 feet will do you. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, get, get some extra just in case, but 22 should be enough. Looks like his control panel is already white, so. Yeah, it is, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just the control panel is white, and they put the black. I guess it was too banged up when I got it from them, so. Mm -hmm. So it's not bad for an untouched cab that's, you know, 16 years old since I bought it. Well, that's awesome. You've been in the hobby for a good long time, too. Yeah, I've been I've been I've been in there for for a while. You know, I moved I moved uh, in around 2001 and I said, "Yeah, you know, I need to I need to put some some ar some arcade in." I also have over here, I don't know if you guys can see, I have a, a T2 oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. Cool. Nice. And uh, and actually I'm working on a Defender. Andrew, I know you are going to be working on yours too, so I'll be interested in seeing that video. I just got myself a brand new 40, not a brand new, but for me brand new, a 4600, if you could see it there on the floor. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the 4600 on my Defender came with a broken neck. Oh. So you said you moved there in 2001, so what made you want to get arcade games? I've always loved them, and and since I was a kid, you see, you know, TV shows and stuff with arcades in their house and stuff like that. And I was one. You, you a Silver Spoons kid? Silver Spoons, <laughs> and you know all those arcade movies from the '80s. Absolutely, you know, I always wanted to get some of that. And did you know somebody else had one? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. No? I said, you know, um, I saw an operator was selling, and uh, back then there was no Craigslist. And right. uh, I, I ran over there and bought the bought the machines. I also have in the other room the Defender, and I have uh, an Outrun, and I have a uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Awesome. Nice. You got like great collection of classics. That's awesome. Yeah, those are good ones. And by the way, Aaron, thanks for the TPG. I got it uh, this morning. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> just just in time for the forty six hundred setup that I got to do. Oh, cool. That's sweet. Yeah, just let me know if you have any questions or run into any problems. Absolutely. Actually, with, with the new version, I don't know if you remember, I wonder if you can put Simpty bars in it. Is that possible? Um, yeah, I've looked at doing that before, and um, I've just got to come up with um, you know, a set of bars that uh, work on the RGB because the, the SMTP bars, as they are now, are set up for like luminance and chroma uh, channels. And, uh, you know, an RGB signal doesn't have that because the intensity is part of each color channel. Like red has its, the signal strength is its intensity, so there's not a separate luminance channel. So I've got to find, like, a conversion from the SMPT, right. you know, standard to straight RGB that kind of accomplishes the same thing, like get your black levels right and stuff like that. So, yeah, a couple of people have asked about that, so I'm definitely looking into it. Yeah, because when I learned how to set up monitors, we use the Cinti bars with the blue only test, and that's exactly how you can get the perfect color and the perfect brightness. Right, okay. I started in a broadcast world. I used to work for Sony, so uh, we, oh, used to okay. use, we used to use those Cinti bars, and you can set up a monitor awesomely with those bars. There's, right. you know, there's no eyeballing it. Cool. Well, it's a good tool. You're going to love it because I was waiting for one of those things for years, and finally, Crafty. Crafty was a savior. 
<laughs> Actually, I have a I have a broadcast uh, signal generator. I'll, I'll I'll show you guys in a second, and definitely I think the TPG is going to be much more convenient than that that big old honking thing that I have. <laughs> yeah, being able to carry it around. I mean, and it's funny because um, you know, now that I've started, you know, getting my actual working games together, you know, they're in the basement or I'm moving them into the basement, so. You know, my test bench is a mile away, so the other day when I was tweaking my MK2 monitor, I plugged it up, and I was like, hey, this thing actually is pretty useful. Because <laughs> I didn't have to, like, you know, drag another board down there to, to see if it was my board that was, you know, being funky or if it was the monitor. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, like they say in Colorado, you got to smoke what you roll. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> Is that what they say, Andrew? That's what they do. BC's been saying that for like 20, 30 years now. <laughs> cool. Uh, so we pass it on to somebody else. Who would like to go? Well, who's last? They got to pick. Uh, that was that was Sly Twelve was last I believe. That was me, Chuck. I guess the only guy left is Chris, right? Well, there's a few of us still. Well, Chris, you're up. Which which Chris? There's two Chris's. Oh yeah, well, Chris, like Jack. Your name is Jack. All right, Jack, you're up. Jack attack. Is it here? All right, which one are you saying? I it cut out a little bit there. You demand. All right, I'm up next. <laughs> okay, so where do I begin? My first games that I got, I got to do a little bit of background behind that. Uh, this is 2006, 2007. Uh, had an Xbox. I think I, there was like the Midway Treasures or one of those games that were on there that had classic games on it. And I started thinking, like, man, I, I want to get some of the classic consoles. I want to get an Atari 400 again, and those, you know, I remember playing Miner 2049er and Pac-Man and all those. So <clears throat> I started seeking that out, started buying games off eBay and Craigslist, and it, it, it got pretty ridiculous. I had, I probably had 50 or 60 consoles and upwards of 1,000 or 1,500 cartridges, all Atari console stuff, you know, 2600, 5200, 400, 800XL, even crossover in television, ColecoVision, all that stuff. But it, it, was, it was pretty out of hand, and, and I was like, what am I doing? You know, this, this isn't really satisfying me. I, I need the, the real deal was the arcade games, the full-size machines. That's what I need, you know. So, uh, so I started looking on Craigslist, and uh, within a couple of weeks, I found someone that was, it was like a three-hour drive from here. They had four games they were wanting to sell, and they were motivated to, to sell them all to one person. So uh, I sent a couple emails to them, wound up renting a trailer, drove the three hours out there. They, oh, had, wow. uh, <laughs> they had two sit-down um, Rush the Rock games, which I think I played them a couple times in the 90s, and then they had a, um, a Nintendo Super System, which is another one I never played back in the day. And then another game called Arabian um, by yeah. Atari from the early 80s. And like really, that. honestly, none of those games I ever really played much, but I was like, all right, here's some arcade games. They're cheap. You know, here's my opportunity to mess around with this. So I think they wanted around 250 for all four of them. 
And I kind of tinkered and tire kicked a little bit, and I was like, ah, we, we take 150 for all of them. And, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sold. So, wow. <laughs> that was in 2007 or 8. I can't remember now. I think of course it was. Early, early 2008, I want to say. And, and my son, who's uh, 15 and a half now, he was with me. And, and I was like, Seth, you know, that, that Game Boy you have, that what that cost me, I just bought all these games for that same price. You know? <laughs> He's like, wow, Dad, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> Of course, uh, poor timing. Right as I'm pulling up to the driveway with this trailer full of games, I, I, I prepped the wife a little bit. I said, yeah, I'm looking at buying a game or two. I don't know. Some guy's selling a few of them. Oh, okay. You know, and I pull up, right when I pull up, my wife's getting home from a trip or from an outing or whatever. Oh my gosh, Chris! I can't believe you got all these games. You know, these giant sit-down car racing games. You know, I'm like oh god, what do I get myself into? <laughs> but um, yeah, so that that was kind of my intro to it, and and uh, you know, I, I I'm not very good at um, doing repairs electronically. <laughs> I I can re-lube a joystick like a mofo, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, I, I actually got lucky on the Arabian. I powered it up. None of the games were working properly, by the way, when I got them. So the Arabian had a white screen. You couldn't hear anything. So I was I was just looking at the back. I'm like, ah, I see all these knobs in here. You know, I didn't know what KLV was really or anything either. And so um, just started tinkering with the knobs. And, and my son was like, Dad, I think I can see a picture. I think I can see stuff moving around. So I look around. I'm like, holy shit, I, I think I got this thing working. So uh, that was actually my first game getting running was the Arabian. So four games turned into six, and then eight, and then fifteen, and twenty. And once, oh, once it gets beyond twenty, it, you know, no one really notices. Plus or minus a few here and there. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was so. That was beginning of two thousand eight, and I have around thirty-five games now, thirty-five, thirty-six, and I've probably gone through a hundred-ish games besides that. Just kind of like buying and selling and trading, you know. I, I've been very fortunate to um, get really good deals, Craigslist, and then um, get them running and sell them for decent money or trade them for something better value to me. So uh, I, I pretty much have zero financial investment in my collection. So that that was my first big thing to uh, brag to the wife, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this this garage is jam packed full of games. But it didn't cost me anything, you know. <laughs> so that's what that's what Mock has to figure out as well, because I'm I'm the same boat. It yeah. doesn't work that way with pins until you have a few pins. Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna have three pins and then I'm gonna probably have about four or five um, cabinets is the plan. So Yeah, I wanna say in, in two thousand nine I started looking around online like where do I even figure out how to work on these games? Because I had it for about a year, you know, a handful of them. And I kept coming across KLV, and it was, you know, like I, all I thought it was was just listing the, the different games that were built. And I, I remember, like, going through the alphabet on them, and my and my, same, my older son that went on the trip with me, he was sitting there, and he had a notepad, and I'm like, oh, man, Donkey Kong, that would be a great one. And uh, Centipede, and, you know, I just started listing all these. I had, like, 100 on a list. And he was writing the same list I was, you know, just kind of having fun with it. <laughs> but, um, and then I think in 2009, 2010, that's when I heard about um, California Extreme, the the 
convention that they do every year in July. And yeah. summer of 2010 was my first year going to California Extreme to check it out. And uh, I think like a week before I went, um, my, my son had a friend down the street from us. The dad was like, hey, I don't know if you know this. There's a guy like two blocks from here. I saw him with his garage door open. He had like a bunch of games in his garage. You, you need to go meet him, you know. So I'm like, Psh, all right. You know, so I, I go over there, and um, he's not on KLV much anymore. Uh, he goes by uh, P1899M. He was at uh, Grinker's last year. Yep. But um, so that was the first time I met him. It was right before California Extreme 2010. And uh, when I went to his house, I was like, holy shit. You know, he, he probably had, at this time, I had like six or eight games. And he had probably 40 in his garage, just wall to wall. And wow. he's like, yeah, this is this is about half my collection. The other half is in the house, the nicer games. <laughs> so he had 80 games. <laughs> and he, literally like two blocks from me. I mean, just an amazing, amazing collection. And I've, I've you know, grown to become friends with him and, and we, we chat a bit and stuff, so it's really cool getting to know other people in the community here. But, um, but yeah, so 2010 was my first year going to Calvary Extreme, and then uh, since 2011, I've been bringing games myself. But um, yeah, so so craziness. But um, so like I, 2010, you went, and in 2011, you were bringing games. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and because wow. I what I what I found out in 2010 was. You know, hey, if you bring three games, you get a free pass. Yeah. Yep. You know, so because the the first year I went, uh, the, my whole family went. My my wife had she went with us, but she had no interest in going to the arcade thing, so she just kind of hung out in the hotel or went shopping locally. Um, so it was you know, I don't know, 150 bucks or something for me and the kids. And uh, I was like, man, if I bring games, we can get in for free. So yeah, so the the second year I brought. Six games through Dan, he drove them out there, yep. and then 2012 Tron guy he drove, and 2013, 14, 15 I drove, and this year I drove. I keep bringing more games every year. It was like six, then eight, then ten, and this year I think it was more like 20 for my own collection. Wow. But yeah, so it, it's awesome though. I mean, such a such a good time that, and I, I see the excitement in my kids' eyes too. You know, seeing all these people enjoying our collection, you know? And so, like, Super Sprint was our, our most favorite game, the three of us, my, me and my two sons. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because you can play three players at once, and we have a blast with it. And, and you know, the first couple of years at CAX, having them there, and, and you know, they they were smaller then, and you'd have these guys, you know, in their 30s and 40s playing the game, and my, my kids, you know, they're, you know, 10, 12 years old, they walk up, and they're just whooping up on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, holy shit, this kid knows how to play. But, um, yeah, so... But, yeah, my, my first... What's that? So, was Super Sprint a game you played, like, in your youth? or was Absolutely, that yeah. So, when I was in high school, I think I was probably 15, 16, a good friend of mine, uh, Sam was his name, uh, his, uh, his mom liked to gamble. <laughs> and there was a place in uh, North Lake Tahoe, about an hour, hour and a half drive from here, and she would offer to have to bring the bring me and her son with her and her and his dad up to Tahoe and they would go gamble and they they just leave us in the arcade and the mom would stop in every couple hours and give us like 20 bucks or whatever and so <laughs> yeah they, I want to say they had me yeah. what's that that sounds fucking awesome yeah it was and uh so the, I mean the two games there that we we just loved so much was Super Sprint and Rastin 
Those were there was probably like ten games there, and those are the two we spent the most time on. I mean, more I'd probably say more so on Super Sprint because we could both play at once, and then yeah. the third player would come up and drop in his quarter. But we were so better skilled than that person, you know. We we could make a quarter last a long time. We have all three players going. Well, that, so. that's the great thing about Super Sprint too. If you get someone to like step up, like right when shit was getting crazy, they like kind of save you. Yes. Yeah, because it kind of drops the uh, yeah. the computer's level. Oh, they right. Yeah. It's like <laughs> one computer car, and then he gets all stupid for those first couple levels. Yeah, the green car, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to say my first memory of arcade-related stuff, I, I, I was born in Southern California in Burbank, um, kind of near the NBC studios. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know what that um, is? Yep, so uh, there was a, a place, it was like a fish and chips place. It's like Mm, 77, 78, somewhere around there. Um, I, I distinctly remember this. Going there having fish and chips and my dad having this mug of beer and it looked like a small barrel keg with like the, his glass with the little dimples in it. You know, yeah. it's kind of barrel shaped. Yeah. And he, he had that beer and we go and I was like, what is this thing? You know, it, was, it was a tabletop arcade game. It was basically Pong, a, a four-player Pong game. I think it was four-player. But um, sitting down playing that black and white game with the you know spinner, and I was like, "This is awesome!" You know, I can't believe something like this exists. You know, so that that's the first game I remember. And then um, I want to say there was a, another place near nearby us that uh, it was like a Italian kind of pizza and spaghetti place that had some pinball machines. And uh, but yeah, then then we moved up to Oregon at the end of '79. And I mean, so many games coming out at that time. I, I just remember pizza places having Donkey Kong and Star Wars, and uh, you know, I, I had a uh, an allowance for, uh, or actually, it was it was lunch money that I'd have every week. I was probably fourth, fifth grade, somewhere around there. So let's see, around 81, 82, 83 during those years. Uh, I I want to say it was like. Four or five dollars a week was my lunch money. It was like a dollar a day for lunch, but you could get a milk for a quarter. So I would only buy a milk. I wouldn't tell my parents. I'd only buy a milk and save the other seventy-five cents for the arcade for the weekends. Wow. And, and and so you know, on Saturday we go downtown to the arcade, and my brother would he he'd be like, I only have like a dollar, you know. And that goes quick, four games, you know. And uh, but I'd be like, no, oh, man, I, I, I'm, got, I'm all right, you know, because <laughs> I saved up a few dollars from lunch money. But, yeah. That's dedication. Yep. <laughs> you milk for a fucking week to play video games. Yep. <laughs> oh, hey, Chris, um, no question. What, from the, that, the, that first video game run that you did where you got the, the racing games and the Arabian yeah. and whatever, did you do you still have any of those, or they've all been sold off? Yeah, unfortunately, they're all gone. I uh, the the two Rush of the Rocks probably a couple maybe a year and a half later, a guy about two hour drive from here had uh, a Tron listed, and he said he had a, I don't remember what he was asking eight hundred bucks or something, and he said or trade for some some other. He's all I like sit down racing games, and. Uh, so the rush the rocks. One of them, the monitor was out, and but they both worked. The, the 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 monitor out played blind, and the other one played basically fine. And so um, I drove them down to him, and I traded him the two rush the rocks for the Tron. That's awesome. Yeah. The, That's yeah. The other ones I just kind of over a couple of years later I, I sold them off. But yeah, I'd like to get the Arabian back. 
Yeah, that was a pretty interesting, cool one. Very unique. That would be a good Grinkers uh, game for a tournament, I think. Arabian? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, what's, what's weird about it, it, it actually, the gameplay is sort of similar to Kangaroo, actually. like the It is, with the, the jumping with the, air, with the yes, joystick. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You push the joystick up to, to jump or something like that. Like what there was a, I think the fire button was like a kick. You would yep. kick something, but to kick actually things. jump, you have to push up on the joystick. And then there's a weird uh, uh, wizard or whatever that comes up every so often throwing a fireball at you to keep you on your toes and mm-hmm. you're climbing vines. and It's a really cool game, I think. Yeah, definitely. You spell out Arabian and it gives you bonus stuff. Yep, and you fly in uh, magic carpets. And <laughs> I think my son realized the cheat on it because it, I set it to free play and like the I want to say the cone buttons light up and they just blink when it's on free play, like when you coin up. And yeah. if you if you press and hold player one and two, it'll automatically advance you to the next level. Oh, it's weird. Like, you know, you get if you get kind of stuck or you're like, oh, this guy's gonna kill me. You just press and hold player one, player two, and it skips you to the next level. Oh but, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but yeah, that was a fun game. Mm, that's cool. Yep. So, so we we got a looks like Steve chimed in here, and Jimbo. Howdy guys. Yay. So let's so who hasn't let's go to um Orange Whip. Or have you gone already? I have not. Okay. Uh all right. Um well I guess video games in general. Uh I started born in seventy one and I guess I got my first system seventy seven ish. Um my first home console. Uh, actually, I got. Uh, let's see if I can see it, one of these things here. Uh, yeah, I got an Atari Video Pinball. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. One of these things. Ah uh, yes, I had one of those briefly. Yeah, so that was my very first, very first kind of intro. Uh, I guess I was only five or six years old. Uh, into video games, so it was pinball, had little flippers on the sides, so on the right and left side it's flippers, and then the middle is um, just a rotary, I guess, uh, knob for breakout, essentially. So that's when everybody tells uh, John that get rid of your breakout, I always say no, because I have such a huge uh, memory for breakout because of this thing. Actually, when I was in John's basement, that's the only game I played in his whole his whole <laughs> wow. house was his Super Breakout machine. Um, and the reason was is because this thing you could only go through. It only had two levels. And once you got two levels, the highest score I think was either 500 or 800 or something like that. I think it was 800, 400 each level, and it was that that the game was done. So my brothers and I started getting so good at it, we started just timing each other who could actually finish it the fastest because we would always get 800 every single time we played it. Uh, and, and that's why I actually just picked up an Arkanoid board not too long ago because that's that's an awesome game. That's sim- Yeah, I love that game. Very similar to it, obviously, that's but awesome. uh, has a few extra things. Uh, after that, um, I mean, yeah, I went to arcades. There was a local pizza place uh, by us, um, Actually, it was funny, the Facebook group about where I grew up in the town uh, just asked the question today, what was the name of that pizza place? And it was a pizza place that every soccer, and I played lacrosse for 22 years, 
Um, and that was the place where, you know, all of our award nights and all that kind of stuff were. So uh, every kid in the town that I grew up in, we, we all went to this place. And right beside it was an arcade called Honeybee. Um, and uh, I would say, looking at it now, they probably had 30 to 40 games and then maybe a, a pool table or two in the middle. Uh, and I used to not go there like on my own too often. I would once in a while ride my uh, BMX up there and play games, but it was mostly like after sporting um, dinners and all that kind of stuff, I would go in there. Uh, and then later on, it would turn into Chuck E. Cheese, obviously. We had one Chuck E. Cheese up here in Vancouver, which didn't last too long. It lasted a year or two, I think, and then uh, it left, and another company came in, just a private owner, and he basically left it exactly the same uh, for another like, Pardon? Did you get a rocket fire explosion or not? Uh, no, no, we never had rocket fire explosion. We just had the, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese, all that kind of stuff. And even when Chuck E. Cheese left, um, it was the same shows. Like this company that came in, it was all just left exactly the same. The the place was identical to Chuck E. Cheese's. Um, we have a couple other ones up here that kind of showed up later on. Um, I've actually on my other YouTube channel. I was going to put them on this one eventually, but. Oh. Um, I've taken some videos of a retrofit rock of fire explosion, someone had said. Um, and I also actually, uh, about a month ago, went up north um, where my brother lives, and there's a Scandi up there, and they actually have a rock of fire explosion that's still working. I took a video of that to put on my channel as well. Uh, Boy, when, they're, but, when they're working on those things, talk about frightening you know, when they pull the face yeah. back and the eyes, it's just, it's just oh, crazy, yeah. nightmares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, going back to a kid, uh, I guess I was a little, I don't know if I was a little different or whatever, but after the Atari video pinball, I guess my main console growing up was I had the Intellivision. Uh, and all my friends, two or three friends, all had Atari 2600s, and I had the Intellivision, and... I never really wanted the Atari 2600. I just felt Intellivision was way better graphic-wise. Um, I was kind of a sports person, and their sports games were by far superior. Um, eventually, I ended up getting uh, the Atari system changer for it, where you can plug it in and then put Atari games into it, uh, which ended up, my dad told me, ended up costing like three times more than buying an actual Atari 2600 did. <laughs> So we we uh, returned it and actually bought Atari 2600. So I, I eventually did have an Atari 2600, um, and then uh, I never went the route of NES or anything like that. Um, I guess I, I went Commodore 64, and I went Commodore 64 hard and for a long, long time. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I yeah, I was like John in his Atari, but I was the Commodore side. I mean, I had friends. Uh, we we wrote our own BBS code, and I learned how to write basic and stuff, and, you know, being a teeny bopper, I guess, I don't know, probably 13 or 14, um, we were writing BBS software, and one of my friends had uh, 24 phone lines his parents were paying for to come into his house, and he had a, a BBS oh that he gosh. ran with 24 phone lines, uh, wow. and he literally had rooms that were floor-to-ceiling, he actually wrote software to keep track of all the five and a quarter inch floppy disks he had, and I remember at one point it was like eighteen thousand disks he had in this place, of just like I mean wares, right? So every single game that you could ever imagine or piece of software he had in this place, 
And so I used to go over there all the time and help him run his BBS and all that kind of stuff. At 300 baud, you know. Same stuff that John always seems to talk about on his uh, his shows. Uh, and then... John said you commenter guys are a bunch of dogs. Oh, come on. In the last <laughs> video, he said you guys, you guys who like commenter are a bunch of dogs. Yeah, there is so much more software for the commenter. It wasn't funny. Um, I didn't... You know what? The funny thing is I never knew anybody who had an Apple computer ever... I knew they were around because when you go to the store to buy a piece of software for the Commodore, there'd be Apple stuff. But I mean, I knew some people who had like Apple IIe's and and all Apple Colors and all that kind of stuff. But I never knew anybody who had an Atari computer. I don't know why. Maybe it's a Canada thing. I I don't know. But um, everybody I knew here, it was Commodore 64 by by far. Um, so yeah, uh, most of my video games, like I said, were um, this little local uh, arcade called Honeybee and Chuck E. Cheese that turned into, I can't even remember the name, it was like Jolly Genie or something like that. <laughs> um, it turned into that. And again, playing sports, um, you know, we would, being so close to the U.S. border, we would bill it out and go stay at places in Seattle and they would take us to the local arcades. So, I mean, I'd been to a lot of different arcades when I was younger, but um, around here there was basically one within biking distance of, of me. Jolly so, Genies, do they have like the animatronics and everything? It was Chuck E. Cheese. They they didn't change a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, they basically Chuck E. Cheese left and they just took it over. And the so only reason characters dancing and shit. Huh? Yeah, still the same characters dancing and playing the same. It, music. Yeah, the only thing they changed was, um, and I can't remember if Chuck E. Cheese had this before or not. Uh, did Chuck E. Cheese have the king? Like Elvis? I don't remember that. Yeah, I think I think that's the one thing they changed was like the main person, the main there was one main guy or show, and it was it was you know, but I think Chuck E. Cheese had the king here as well. Maybe we just had different shows than you guys did. Because yeah. as a kid, I don't ever remember the Rock of Fire explosion stuff or or any of that stuff at all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so then uh, collecting arcade stuff. Um, uh, I met my wife when I was 22, and she was actually in high school still, 17. Um, and then a year later, she went to university, and she was on student loans, and I saw an ad somewhere, I couldn't tell you where, uh, about an arcade auction. So we decided to go check out this arcade auction, and uh, she actually spent part of her student loan money and not very much. It was 75 bucks. She bought the first game, a Centipede, uh, which we had up till last year. Uh, I gutted it and actually put all the stuff inside a Centipede cabaret cabinet that we had found uh, that actually she bought, and then we just sold the upright cabinet to somebody. But So we moved it all into a, into a cabaret cabinet. Um, so we still have the game, though. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the first one. Was, uh, and I'm going to say uh, 21 years ago, maybe 22 on the verge of 22 uh, years ago. I think we've been together almost 23. So um, doing it a long time. And, and ever since that, it was it was an auction that happened every year, beginning of December. I think they planted that so that people would buy it for, you know, people for Christmas and stuff. Uh, so every year for 15 years or something like that, they had these auctions that, that we went to. And usually every year I picked up one machine or maybe two um, and then the, those auctions, I mean, the arcades were gone from the, from my area. There's no, they're actually illegal in the town I live in. You can't have a, a building with more than 
six machines in it, and that's including like you know a Czech hockey game and all that stuff. Uh, and if there's alcohol, you can't have uh, more than three games in a location. So there is no chance of a retro arcade or anything like that in my area. Um, unless unless you want 19 or over. If it's 19, because 19 is our drinking age here. If it's 19 or over 24 hours a day, then I believe you can actually have more machines. But um, you wouldn't be able to have kids in it at all, which kind of sucks. But yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we just kept collecting. Um, I eventually hooked up with uh, some Seattle guys. I went to a Seattle uh, show. They have a show like CAX, like uh, Gak was talking about. Uh, Seattle show's been going on for a long time, like 10 years or something like that. And I've been going for six or seven years now. Same thing, first show, I just went out and checked it out. And then the second year, I started bringing stuff um, all the way from Vancouver. Uh, I haven't the last couple of years because one year I stored three games at a friend's place Um just outside of Seattle after the show because I couldn't be down there on a Sunday night to bring it all the way back home, so he took it to his house. And then they were at his house for like a month and his house burnt down. So, oh, uh, Yeah, we had three games in there. We had a, a pin and two arcade games. Uh, it kind of a happy, sad story. And eventually I got my games back. I bought them back for a dollar a piece because the insurance company auctions them all off and nobody wanted, I guess, old arcade games and old pinball machines, so I got them back for a, a buck a piece. And then on top of that, they paid me out um, using eBay prices. So all I had oh, to do man. is go... And, and <laughs> I, I, we supplied the eBay prices, so you just go on and just give them you know, all the games that had sold and you just pick kind of like the top ten highest prices, and so that's the, the money we got. <laughs> Yeah, and that was in that was at a time when it was in the U.S. dollars, and I think like like now actually our dollars are like thirty percent. So I mean it was like thirty percent on top of that we even got paid because switching it over to Canadian. So um, in the end it was good. The bad part was because of the whole ordeal and a whole bunch of other stuff. My friend whose house it was, he ended up getting divorced from his wife through all this mishap. So it's kind of a bittersweet sort of thing for me. I ended up giving him, um, because a lot of the stuff happened and he was you know, not in the best of moods for a while, I, I ended up giving him uh, my burger time that was in his house. Um, it still worked and everything. And that's a game I've, I've been hunting for ever since. Uh, and I've had like <laughs> three people tell me they've got some on, one for me and on hold. I've got two board sets that people have given me for free. Um, working board sets, so if I ever find a cabinet. Um, I do have a guy out here who now says he's got a cabinet for me, and I haven't heard from him for you know, six-plus months on it. So. Hey, I, I found that twister for you, though. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my wife was kind of looking, looking for. So hey, being a collector. Arc Revival picked up a Burger Time cabinet Today there's a thread on Clav, and uh, it's stripped, um, but it's complete. And I think he's gonna bring it um, here. Uh, so I'm not sure if you're coming down for Greenfest. Are you driving? Yep. Bring a little trailer, man, and you can have it. I, I mean, I have. There's a guy in Seattle who I talked to who's got. Okay, who's who's got their speakers going? That's an awful echo. <laughs> 
nothing worse than talking and hearing your own voice. Uh, okay, it must have been Steve. Um, I'm at the the Seattle show this past year. There was a guy there that uh, had um, a jamatized burger time cabinet, and I got to talking to him, and he basically said, "Anytime I want that cabinet, I can I can have it." And it's the same thing. It's all been stripped and it's painted black on the sides and stuff. But apparently, there's a guy here. He says he's got a burger time cabinet for me. Uh, he's actually He's kind of an operator. He has a huge warehouse with hundreds of games in it, but he started a pinball company, so all he's really dealing in is pinballs now, and he's literally got hundreds of arcade machines, and he doesn't know what to do with them because he doesn't want to spend the time because he doesn't think they're worth as much money uh, to, to make money off of them and stuff. So um, he just doesn't deal with it very often, but he says he's got one for me, and it actually has a Galaga 88 in it, which is another game I've actually been wanting. So hmm. I, I told him... For sure, and, and apparently the burger times like the cabinets in mint condition. So, sometime, hopefully in the fall, maybe uh, he'll finally get a hold of so me. You said you've been you've been collecting for twenty two years or something like that. Yeah, I joined. Yeah, I joined Clove. I think I was checking earlier in two thousand four, but I'd been collecting for years before I ever found Clove. Well, I'm not sure how it is up in Canada, but I mean, there's been crazy upticks and downticks in collecting and values. For that amount of time, I imagine you know. I, I've heard stories of, you know, in the in the early to mid '90s, you know, just getting boatloads of games at ten, twenty, thirty dollars a piece at auctions, and then oh, yeah, I've, I've got heard some... about where they, that I've heard where they go up like crazy value up to like in the 2004, 2005 when the in California anyways the housing prices just went up like crazy. And uh, people were paying, you know, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for Miss Pac-Man's that were beat up. And then two thousand six, seven, eight, it was just everything was cheap, cheap, cheap. Luckily, that's when I started buying. Donkey Kong's on fire. In the in the early days, someone was playing. Just ran in here, thought he'd be funny. Uh, in the early days, there was definitely some deals to be had. I mean, I I got some games for free, um, or you know, centipedes for 50, uh, seventy-five bucks. I got a Donkey Kong for um, fifty bucks because it wasn't working anymore, and they just forgot there was an on-off switch on on the top of it. Right. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. And at auctions, yeah, I mean, I got some new in box because uh, the the Time Traveler's Warehouse was up here in Vancouver, right. and. Um, actually, that's the guy at the warehouse who's got the burger time. He actually has a lot of that stuff from the Time Traveler's Warehouse. Uh, so he's got like a new in box. Make tracks or one of those? Oh, they have all those. No, but they, he also has uh, what? What's the yellow thing that John has? I can never remember that game. Computer but, space. Computer space. Computer space. He's got. They've got new in box computer space still. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's the warehouse that I'm trying to get into, and he's still hesitant of getting me in there. But um, so yeah, there was times where things were cheap slash free, but in, in general here now, I mean, part of our problem with Vancouver is that it's like the second most expensive city in the world to live. So, yeah. um, you know, a house in Vancouver, like an empty piece of property in Vancouver is $1.2 to $1.4 million uh, just for an empty, you know, not even quarter acre uh, lot. Um, yeah, and there's, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely crazy here. So things in general, you know, everything expensive. Property, yeah. but your food and your gases and everything just is ends up being expensive. So, right. 
arcade games are too because people need to sell them, need to pay their mortgages, or, or need to put gas in their tanks, and so a lot of that stuff is uh, is not cheap either. So, uh, and yeah, unfortunately, for some reason, um, Vancouver likes their multicades. So there are a lot of multicades out there. There are a lot of good cabinets that have been, you know, like classic cabinets that are turned into multicades, um, and they sell for. You know, minimum twelve hundred dollars up to twenty five hundred bucks for a multicade. Yeah. Um, so it's it's hard. You know, I mean, I I've sold a few. And usually they're they're kind of junk cabinets that I repair, but they're not they're not usually classic stuff. They're usually mm-hmm. like um, you know, a mid nineties kind of jam of cabinet that any game could have been in. Yeah. Um, so it's hard not to when you when you get a lot of that stuff, and I've got like maybe five cabinets here to, to actually build some of those with to, just to get rid of them. But uh, yeah, it's hard here. There's not many collectors. Um, I know I know a couple collectors that are not really collectors. They're more of the flipper side of things. They do it to kind of make money. Uh, it's very easy for us to um, get a game up here and go to the states with it because it's thirty percent on the dollar right off the bat. Uh, I am guilty of that myself. I have uh, le- sold at least 50 games down to the States. Um, usually I ask up here first, but because I want that, that you know, equivalent of the dollar, um, it most people up here will uh, Maybe an hour drive or so from the border? Or oh, no, 15, 20 minutes max. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Wow. I have a Nexus path, too, so I basically, it, you know, it takes me less than five minutes to get through the border. Uh, and I've learned the whole in and outs of taking things across the border. Unlike uh, the the Gleek uh, who mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, his his hassles. Um, basically, Americans are allowed to have uh, anything brought across the border as long as it's under twenty five hundred bucks. So as long as I have a total uh, that's under twenty five hundred dollars, uh, I can take anything across the border and deliver it to friends or people who've bought it off me. So. And, and, and no, and not, and yeah, not being considered commercial, actually. So over that, you're actually considered commercial, which is a whole other set of rules and everything. So I usually just have um, Craigslist ads printed out and get people to email me with you know what they bought and who they bought it off of that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, uh, I have. I think I think I've mentioned this the last few weeks. I think I have 35, 40 games, maybe even a few more. Um, there's a few games that aren't here. I got some pinball machines upstairs that are my wife's. My wife's mostly a pinball collector now. She's got like three or four pins. Uh, I'm the video guy, and I think I've got 35, 40 video games. Um, I need to get rid of some because, as you guys know, I have a shipping container that's full, and I still had like 15 games in my basement. So uh, I need. What to are the pins your wife has? Um, she has a baby pack. Uh, which is sort of mine and hers because it's a 50-50 game. Uh, and she has a Maverick, which a lot of people poo-poo about, Data East, but um, she really likes the theme of it. She likes the movie. She likes the, the Cowboy Western theme. Um, she has a Waterworld, which lately I've been hearing a lot of people starting to like Waterworld, and it's a game that both of us have liked for quite a while now. Um, and if you haven't played it, you should try it because it's actually a pretty decent pin. Um, and then she picked up a couple months ago. She picked up a Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, and the Twilight Zone actually she paid for it from her insurance money from the water world that uh, was down in the in the fire that we were able to buy back for a buck. Um, she got you know I don't know what it was like three times more uh, in American dollars that she actually paid for it in the first place. So <laughs> she was able to take that money and actually buy the Twilight Zone with it. Wow, nice. And no problems with the Twilight Zone yet? No, it, it, we're storing it at a friend's place um, in, in Seattle. He's got, uh, I'm going to say, 60 arcade games. And, man, in the last year, he's probably bought in 15 pins. And he's yeah. probably got 20 pins in total. Um, yeah, he, he was like... Um, one of the original guys at Valve. So anybody who plays video games, he created like um, Counter Strike, Counter Strike Two, Left for Dead, Left for Dead Two, Portal, Portal Two. He was one of the main programmers there. So he kind of retired at like 41 or 42 years of age. Must be uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah, so he, so he didn't have a Twilight Zone, uh, but his friend did. Uh, lives down the street. So uh, I drove down there with him and asked him if he could take a look at for me, because I'm not really a pin guy. My wife is more the pin person. And so he came with me, we picked it up, he looked it over. Uh, it is, um, we're not sure if it's a sample yet or not. We haven't looked at it close enough, but it does have like the white clock face and all that stuff on it. And it had uh, a bumper um, and a band down by the three bumpers on it as well, which is also a sign that it's an early, um, early Twilight Zone. Uh, and so he's got it at his place, and he's actually kind of been doing a shop on it for me while he's got it there because I'm letting him keep it for like a year um, before we bring it back up. Because so. we don't really have the room because we're doing the renovation. So I was like, well, you might as well keep it. And he goes, well, I'll clean it all up and do a shop on it. I'm like, perfect. So that's what happened with that. And that's it. That seemed like a long time. <laughs> hey, Brad, you said that you had in television. Did you ever play Burger Time on the Intellivision? Yeah, that's that's why I was a Burger Time fan uh, in uh -huh. the arcade game was the Intellivision. I played the hell out of Burger Time on the Intellivision. I must that have was actually the little disc, the little other, disc on the controller. I must have worn it down from playing. Other than the arcade, and even even the arcade, I actually think the Intellivision version is actually one of the best versions of the game. Yeah. I, had, I think I, had I think it's even better well. than the arcade game. I had I, I had Burger Time on Intellivision. It was awesome. Yeah. I think I think I never became a twenty six hundred guy until I saw the Intellivision and I bought that Burger Time and it was so close to the to the arcade version, yeah. I could never go back to the 2600 for any of the games. I mean, yeah. I, that one and B-17 Bomber and a lot of those sports games, that was yeah, the voice. Yeah, yeah I, like I said, I think, I think the Burger Time for Intellivision is, you know, personally, I think it's actually better than the arcade game even. No, that's not good. That's not crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> try, try the two, and you be the judge. <laughs> how about uh, Tron uh, Deadly Discs? Do you have that one? Uh, yeah, I I was a um, a million point person on Tron Deadly Discs. Same here, where you can get to the guards. The lightsabers. Yeah. The orange guys with the white lightsabers. Yep. Like one touch and your game's over. Yeah. I used to play it so much that my friend would come over to to my house and I'd play it so much and like for so long that he actually started making up a song. Uh, I'll sing a, I'll sing a little bit for you. It's Tron Deadly Disc, Tron Deadly Disc, Tron Tron, and he would sing that over and over again <laughs> to try to throw me off the game when I was playing it. You know, you know what I used to do. This is kind of this is kind of lame, but I used to, I had the Wendy Carlos uh, record and I used mm -hmm. to play it. 
while I played the game. And I, you know, so just so there's a soundtrack going with the game because you know, there's no there's no music in that game at all. There's just the sound of your disc. Yeah, actually, but, that, that actually brings up another. Oh, who's got the Tron playing there, Adam? Um, that brings up a good a good um, point of discussion, I guess, maybe for another time or something like that. But you always see that in movies, like the the Bishop of Battle and in in Starfight Starfighter. They always wore headphones when they played the game. They never actually like listened to the sound effects. Are you talking about just, from Nightmares? That movie Nightmares? Yeah, it was the the Bishop of Battle. I wonder right. if anybody yeah. ever had any of you guys have ever done that? That that may be a good thing to talk about at some point. Anyways, that's any questions? Uh, that, that's all I have to talk about. Uh, let's let's pass it over. Um, let's go let's go Jimbo since he's uh, lately arrived. Yes, and Jimbo, you're going to have to give us a little, um, well, your fucking resume is what we actually want. <laughs> resume? Yeah, yeah, we started off with intros, uh, what do you want to pimp, what do you do, what's online, how do we find you, who the fuck is Jimbo, let's hear your resume. Holy shit, that sounds like a lot, I'm, I don't know where to begin. Um, I'm Jim, alright, I'm done. Perfect, <laughs> almost as awkward as the rest of us. <laughs> uh, well, if we're talking about games um, in general, what, uh, what was your first game? Yeah, what, what's your history? Like, like, how did you get in the hobby? What did you do as a kid? What you got in arcades? Like, what do you remember from arcades as a kid? And oh, okay. Today? All right. Well, I was um, like I've said before, I'm I'm on a younger side, but I don't think I'm the youngest out there. I I was born in '83, so I'm 32. I'll be uh, 33 in January. So when I grew up, I, I think I was kind of the kid on the block that had the the last generation console. <laughs> you know, I I grew up with Atari. My dad worked at J.C. Penney's, which at that time still had an electronics department. Um, he it also had a sporting goods department. So this was like old old school J.C. Penney's, and he brought home an Atari 2600. I think he must have got it right around the time I was born, and uh, still have the original box, and you can see all the price markdowns on it. And it started out; it was like 150 bucks, and it was you know half that. Then so he got it for like 50 bucks or whatever. And uh, so I I used to play the crap out of that. I um I would my dad would work from home. He was doing freelance writing at the time, and uh, once and I would just beg him, you know, can I play Atari and it was it wasn't always connected to our TV, so if I was good, he would he would set it up and I would play you know like the handful of games we had, and a couple of my friends had an Atari 2600 as well, and we would you know borrow games to each other. My uncle had one. He uh, I borrowed his Pitfall so for the first time, and so we would all go back and forth with with Atari games, and when I'd go visit my grandma, I'd hang out with my cousin and we'd play on on their black and white TV. And uh, but he was more advanced than me. He had a 7800, and I ex I told you that story about how we exchanged games. And you know, as kids, they're physically the same size. But little did I know that I can play his awesome 7800 games on on our Atari 2600. So that was a big letdown. But um, I didn't get a uh, the I didn't get a Nintendo like an NES until like 88, 89. And most of my friends already had one, so it was always a matter of, can we go over to your house to play Nintendo? Because <laughs> all I have is Atari. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, 
I, I'd say like once every like two years, maybe when I visit my parents, I'll pull out the Atari and, and connect it to their TV just just for nostalgia reasons. But um, actually, let's see. Well, Jim, Jim, while you're looking that up, I gotta ask: Did you just get off of work? I uh, I was out with the wife tonight. So this uh, is date night clothes you got: the polo shirt and khakis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we uh, we went to a dinner theater. And so we saw um, we had dinner inside uh, a music or a musical, and so uh, yeah, it was nice. But the show didn't get done until like ten thirty. So I, I knew I like I knew I was waiting for your text, Andrew. I was like, it's gonna come, and and I had my phone on silent. So I like during the intermission, I'm like, yep, ten eighteen or or whatever it was. I was like, yep, I, I was I was waiting for that. <laughs> but um. Yeah, so yeah, it was a good time. Um, you look very nice, Jim. That's all I'm trying to say. What's that? You look very nice tonight. Oh, thank you. I dressed up for you guys. Uh, we didn't have a date night. <laughs> I just wanted to look good. <laughs> yeah, me yeah, and my thanks. sister playing Miss Pac-Man. Wow, check that out. Yep. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. When was when was the last time you plugged that Atari in? Probably like two or three years ago. And it still worked fine. Yeah, you know, um, our joysticks a long time ago, the originals busted. It it seemed like they weren't they weren't really built to last. And um, but ironically, you know, now that Radio Shack's going out of business, that's where I found replacements for them when I was like in my teens. Radio Shack had this big closeout, and they had all these Atari joysticks. Huh. I don't know where they came from, like why they would hang on to them, but. Uh, me and like, my dad were there. And I was like, "Holy crap, we have to buy some." Like OG, like the original joysticks? No, these were some third-party ones. Oh, they, yeah. I mean, they had a button on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also the the one on the corner. But um, I, I was just excited that we could have some working joysticks because I had we had probably like thirty you know cartridges or whatever. So I like to pull it out once in a while and just like kind of just remember like what got me interested in games. Like, I have specific memories of playing Atari games in certain uh, places. I remember uh, my neighbor down the street, um, one of my best friends from childhood, He, uh, his parents never let us inside the house. Never. But there was a rainy day where I was just pouring outside, so they let us inside, and we, I specifically remember playing Frogger for the first time on, uh, on his Atari. I thought that was freaking sweet. Oh, yeah, Frogger was pretty good on the Twin Center, wasn't it? Yeah, and I liked Jungle Hunt a lot, too. Oh, yeah. That was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. There were, there were I mean, and, and like even Miss Pac-Man, like in that photo, that, that game was really good, wow. I thought. But, um... I seem to remember reading somewhere that the programmers wanted to prove that we can make an awesome version of, of Pac-Man, because the first Pac-Man, you know, how awful it was. So they really tried really hard to make, you know, you know, to try and win people back too. But they wanted, wanted to show, hey, we can make an awesome Pac-Man. See? Yeah. So it was it was cool too because with Miss Pac-Man, uh, if you hit the the game select button, that would select how many ghosts there were. So me and my sister would turn it down to just one, and we would go play the game for like hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I got an NES, and that kind of was a was a game changer. And um, I, I 
uh, you know, it's one of those things that the guys on Arcade Outsiders talk about where, you know, your parents would maybe buy you a game like a year or over Christmas. But other than that, it was, um, you know, I was getting allowance and let's see. I didn't, yeah, I, I was buying used games. Um, the video rental store, it's called around here called Premier Video. They were like the first store that I knew of that started selling <laughs> games. Wait, they, and, they, you're talking about a video rental store, and what year was actually holding, like, you could rent games? Because I didn't yeah. remember until, like, the NES. Yeah, you could rent, you could rent NES games. Wait, um, sorry, 2,600 games, though. Oh, 26, no, 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 no just no, NES. We, we yeah. could rent, here we had a place that Mr. Video rented um, both 2,600 and in television games. Wow. Yeah, same here. And mom and pop stores uh, around me in Encinitas in California, there are some places you could uh, get in television and Atari, and the uh, X-rated Atari games in the <laughs> X-rated section. <laughs> yeah, it was... Custer's Revenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, beat them and eat them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I hated how it was such a crapshoot, though. Like, if you didn't, if you're buying a game, if you didn't rent it ahead of time, uh, you know, I I think the first game I bought was actually Qbert, of all games. Um, and I like that. It was good on, on the NES. But, um,. I th- I'm trying to remember some really crappy games I ended up with just because they only had like a handful of games at a time. You'd always check their bin where they would have used games for sale. And uh, I-, I bought um, Strider, which was just horse shit on the NES. And I thought the cover looked so cool. The game's got to be, you know, the game's got to be cool. Well, that's a great arcade game. It's a great yeah, arcade yeah. game. But, God, I could never figure it out on... on Nintendo. Yeah, and then NES was based off of a comic book, not the Genesis or the Capcom <laughs> version. So it was a lot different. Right. Yeah, you uh, talked about how the uh, the Atari joysticks would fall apart. You know, the, the rubber boot would always come off the top, right? Yep. So we, we had an Atari 400, and uh, I remember we had uh, track and field. And the, the way the game played on that one, the joystick, you'd move it left to right instead oh, of man. two buttons, right? Yeah. So the boot would always tear off. And I was probably 10 or 11 at the time, and my brother was more like 12 or 13. And uh, the, so we wound up just pulling the boot off, and then you'd, you'd put a couple of drops of uh, vegetable oil in it to kind of like lube up the stick, right? <laughs> I just remember my brother just being so much better than me. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, well, he was going through puberty at the time. <laughs> you know that left, right, really fast, really fast, oh, really yeah. fast. Got that motion down. Yep. He must have rotated the joystick 90 degrees, though, right? Uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I remember seeing the aggressive look on his face with the tongue sticking out. You know, oh, <laughs> oh funny. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We, I played and, and Nintendo. I hung on to because I, you know, I was always late in the game. I got Nintendo late, and um, so it was a long time before I got like I went. Um, I traded in my Nintendo and all my games to Funkoland to get a Genesis and like two games, and then down the road I did the same thing to get a Super Nintendo. Um, and then of course when I worked at Funkoland in college. Um, I got my top loader, and I basically snatched up every game that I used to own. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was, it was a lot of fun. I um, 
uh, going back to just consoles in general, uh, in my neighborhood where I grew up, it was mostly Nintendo, obviously, but like um, I had a friend down the street that they had an uh, Apple IIe, and uh, that's where I played, uh, I think, Marble Madness the first time with, uh, with a, they had a joystick for their Apple. And uh, then I rented, I remember the first, like, couple games that me and my sister rented for Nintendo. One was Marvel Madness, one was Kung Fu, and I can't remember what the third one was. It was a, I, th- I think it might have been like Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and uh, which is a really weird game. But, um, yeah, it, so, and one of my friends did have an Atari computer, but I can't remember which one it was. I remember it, they had the, um, the cassette adapter, and it also had cartridges, I think. Uh, but I thought it was the weirdest thing ever. But, um, it, yeah, so I was pretty late in the game with, with console stuff. But uh, as far as arcades go, there was... Uh, Fetz actually talked about the one Outer Limits in, in St. Cloud that his arcade's named after. And that was that was awesome. I mean, that was connected... Uh, that was in the Crossroads Mall. And uh, my dad would take me there uh, sometimes. So it was always a crapshoot. It was like I'd go to the mall with my family hoping that I would get to play some games in the arcade. And sometimes they would let me and sometimes not. But it was, you know, just a dark, dark room, and, and the only lights were the monitors. And I played Spy Hunter and, um, uh, boy, I played a uh, gun Gunfight. Uh, there's a lot. They had quite a mix of classics. And then, you know, at that time, uh, it would have been late 80s, early 90s for me. So uh, they had quite a mix of, of different games in there. Nice Street Fighter and stuff like that, too. Yeah, eventually, yep. I actually played Street Fighter the first time, um, Street Fighter 2, at the, um, an NBC Suites hotel down here in the Twin Cities we were staying at. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, I always chose Blanca because as a kid, I thought, this is the most badass character in the whole game. You know, it's Green Monster. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know any of the moves. And, you know, and so it was very intimidating. I, you know, if I was the only one there, I could play the game. I could maybe beat the first guy, maybe the second on a good, you know, on a good day. And then, you know, this guy comes and that knows what he's doing. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You, you know, you can actually do these special moves. And it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. I, I remember actually renting, before I owned a Super Nintendo, renting a Super Nintendo and that game. And, of course, I, I didn't know how bad the port was. I mean, it, the characters looked the same, but I didn't know, like, what I was really missing out on. But, yeah, so Outer Limits was a big one. There was also um, one downtown in downtown St. Cloud called the Skill Mill. Uh, I think he, I think Sean's uh, talked about that one, too. My uncle took me there once when he was babysitting us. And... Uh, you know, my uncle was kind of badass. He had a motorcycle, and so I got to ride on him down, and we'd go to the arcade, and it's a three-level building, and it's an arcade on all three levels, and they had a mini-golf course that also spanned all three levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, I specifically remember playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles there the first time, and uh, that was pretty cool. Because, of course, my uncle had, you know, like... It, it was amazing because he, like, had tons of quarters, and up until that point, it was like whatever I had. So if I had like a, a dollar or six quarters, I remember specifically going to the mall and it was like, I have six quarters. Holy shit, this is, gonna, this is great. You know, this is a good day rather than 50 cents. <laughs> 
and you'd walk around. You'd, it, it was like a big bargaining thing. It's like, hmm, is this game really worth my quarter? Should or should I keep walking around? And you'd spend because you knew that that quarter was only going to last like a few minutes, <laughs> and, and you don't want to just be done. You got to ration them. That's yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same same way at the the roller skating rink where I actually got my turtles. Uh, they had a good arcade, and then so did uh, one, a lot of the old bowling alleys. Um, I played Popeye and Centipede at uh, this place called D's Lanes. It was a, it no longer exists in St. Cloud, but um, we'd go there for like Cub Scouts, and uh, I'd never want to bowl. I'd just want to play arcade games. My parents would get pissed. They're like, no, you have to at least bowl these two games or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'd constantly be like, okay, there's going to be four people before I'm up again. I'm going to go play Centipede or whatever. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I got I got my first game in 2004 uh, from that that same roller skating rink because at that time Craigslist really wasn't a big thing. I don't even know if it was around yet. Um, and uh, aside from that, I didn't know where to buy games locally. I didn't uh, I I didn't actually join uh, KLOV until. Uh, right after I bought that game and I, I found the forum because I was trying to f figure out how, how to, you know, convert the game or fix it up or, you know, get everything up and running. So that was why I, I joined in 2004. So, yeah, yep, good times. That's what brings us all there eventually, trying to yeah. fix the games, right? <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, I realized, man, I don't post a lot, or at least I didn't because I joined in 04. And of course, I posted a lot then to learn stuff, but it was, you know, it's still a little intimidating. And uh, you know, my total posts are like a fraction of some of the people that have been on there for like two years. It's just like, it's like, holy crap! How did you have fifteen thousand posts? Jeez! Yeah, some people are ridiculous there, man. <laughs> like, is that all you do? <laughs> Every thread they reply. Yeah. yeah, I just, it's like, holy shit! I, I recall Junior Pack being one of those when he first started there. Um, wasn't that the thousand. guy? Was that the guy that kept talking about he was going to get a Pac-Man and he kept talking about it and yeah. it never happened? Yeah. Well, then, then eventually he did do that custom um, Crazy Auto. Yeah, that's right. Probably one of the guys that's been on the longest that has the least amount of posts. You? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I'm just trying to figure out how many I have here. Uh, Six hundred and eighty-seven. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I, I find myself subscribing to many, many threads. In 11, in 11 years, 687. I think I've subscribed to like 5,000 different threads just because I find <laughs> it interesting to read. But my posts are like way less than that over the years, you know? Yeah, and I I was I went on a lot of like uh, a lot of breaks or, or you know, breaks where um, like in between moves and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, when I... The biggest one was probably two thousand, like two thousand eleven, when I was unemployed. I got laid laid off, and so that was like almost a a full year, where like and and when I at that time when I uh, was on a break or I wasn't doing anything with the game, I wouldn't post in there. I would just read the threads, but I didn't post anything. Uh -huh. So I, it was almost like I was inactive for <laughs> a very long time, <laughs> and and that's happened a couple times, but you know I. Where, like, I didn't do anything for for months. Maybe play the games. That's about it. 
Yeah, I think half my posts are half of my posts are in the TPG threads. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> I, I just realized I actually have more private messages than I have posts. <laughs> uh, I like looking at at a lot of my old old stuff and be like, holy shit, what was I thinking? Or, you know, why did I go back and forth for this long about, you know, $5 or whatever it was? And it's, it's kind of silly. I hey, guys, like, I'm going to maim this uh, weird cabinet with a green roller and a vector monitor. Oh, <laughs> God, don't say that. <laughs> I, I spent, I have a lot of, uh, private messages with uh, Chris Rhodes, um, you know Chris uh, two five eight one zero or about monitor stuff. He was one of the first people I actually met uh, local collectors, um, and and he was not what I was expect. I, <laughs> you know, you meet you meet put faces on these people, and um, you know we didn't do hangouts like this. So I, I talked with Chris on the phone a ton when I was doing my Miss Pac-Man and he was helping me with like the Geo 7 and stuff and he's like, yeah, well let's just meet up and I'll help you know, help you, uh, we, we can get a burger or whatever and, and um, uh, a beer and I'll get you your, He at the time he got me my um, artwork and, and stuff so you know I, I get there and, and based on what I heard on the phone I was expecting kind of a heavier set guy and um, and I get there and it's like the tiniest, per he's like, the t I'm like he, he spoke. I'm like, oh my god! I was not, I was not expecting you. You know, it was just, it was really funny. It just like, it threw me way back. You know, he's like, I, he's short. I, like, I don't know if you guys have ever met Chris. I actually met him back in, I think, 2011 at California Extreme. Okay, so yeah, you know, he's just this little tiny Joe Dirt guy. Uh, right. <laughs> he, he's maybe like five seven, five eight. And probably like 110 pounds. And as I recall, he was kind of at that time he was basically going to step away from collecting and stuff. He, yeah. uh, Fat convinced him to go one more time on that trip, but he was like selling off most or all of his collection, and he was uh, he had like a some classic IROC car he was getting or something like that. He's yeah, like he's four stars. It's funny because you know he gets away from it. He sold. He had a huge collection of mint games. You know how right. So he's more meticulous than than Fed is. Right. Uh, and he had you know an amazing collection. He sold them all. I think he had. What did he say? He sold the last time I saw him. He was helping me with. Um, no, not the last time I saw him, but uh, the last time I was at his house, he had um, a major have a dedicated major havoc. That I think he he had shrink wrapped up. He was selling for like fifty six hundred bucks or something like that. Oh my God. That someone was buying, and I can't remember what the other game he had was. Um, it wasn't a computer space, I don't think. It was, but it was some something rare that was going for a ton of money too. Um, but he was helping me with uh, um, my Miss Pac-Man mod. That was actually the time when. The focus pin went, and and that's why I knew that what John's issue was. Ah. so so that was the last time I saw him, and those were his last two games that he had. Huh. Um, but you know he gets away from it, but he still does all the monitor stuff, and right. he picked up that uh, Atari Touch Me or whatever, so he, uh, that he's keeping apparently. So I I think he you know he always comes back to it a Can't little get bit. Get completely away from it, right? Right, <laughs> right exactly. Yeah, but 
I met I met him first, and he'd always talk about, oh, you should go to you know Fetish Boys party. And I I don't know why I never made it out to any of Sean's parties earlier, but I didn't I didn't go to one of his parties until like two years ago. So I didn't meet Sean for a very long time. But I think Chris was on there before Sean got on there. Chris joined, I think, a bit earlier. I'm not, but anyways, getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, well, you pick the next person, I guess, huh? Uh, who's all went? I joined. I came in kind of late. Let's see. Adam hasn't gone. Well, let's do, do Adam. I want to hear Adam. Want to hear my story? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, let me think back. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a really poor family, actually. And um, like most of you guys, I think, started off with like an Atari 2600. Actually, I think before that, my dad brought home a second-hand Pong machine, um, some variant. You know, there were so many back in the 70s. So I, so I was born in 74. So... Uh, late 70s, uh, I think the first game we ever had, first console we ever had was some Pong variant. And then shortly after, I remember seeing for the first time, my cousins were a little bit um, better better off than we were, but I remember going to their house and playing uh, the Atari 2600 for the first time. And that was like mind-blowing. I think it was probably mm -hmm. just Space Invaders, maybe Asteroids at the time. But just to be able to play, manipulate you know, something that was on your TV at home was just you know, amazing. So uh, I think maybe a year later, uh, we ended up getting an Atari 2600 and had a handful of games. And then um, I guess a video game crash happened, which, which was news to us because, you know, we didn't have all, a lot of those things anyway. But it allowed, uh, allowed my parents, however, to run to the store and grab uh, an um, Adam Adam, a Coleco Adam computer system. I don't know if you guys have, have uh, yep. seen or heard of this thing. It has the cassette player on it, right? Exactly, yeah. So um, so we ended up with one of those, but what was nice about it was that it had a ColecoVision built into it. Mm -hmm. So we had, once we got that, it was just full-on Coleco. We, we, you know, we were getting Coleco, ColecoVision games left and right. They were so dirt cheap at the time, you know, you could just find them everywhere. So we did that for, for a long time. And then um, kind of similar story, going to a friend's house, and he had brought home uh, the NES. And it was right around that time, I think, that Super Mario had come out in the arcade. Because I remember playing that game for the first time in, like, the local arcade and just fell in love with it. Just the, the side-scrolling platformer nature of it all, it was just awesome. And then to go to his house and see the exact same, literally the exact same game, I mean, the hardware inside of Nintendo's arcade machines especially in that era, matched the exact same hardware that was in the NES. So what you saw you know, versus Super Mario was exactly the same game, for the most part, as what was in the NES. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so yeah, so going to my friend's house and seeing that, it was just mind-blowing. And so saved up my money, and I worked a couple summers or whatever, and then just fell into the NES and became big-time Nintendo fanboy. Um, and just and just wrote that whole thing out. Went from the NES to the Super NES, N64. Um, my friends, some of my friends had Sega. You know, never. You know, always snubbed my nose at the Sega. Just never, never <laughs> even considered as worthy of competing against the Nintendo. Um, so yeah, just was a Nintendo fan all the way up into college. I, mean, I remember we had massive, you know, Mortal Kombat three battles with me and my college roommate. We'd have people from the down the hall and in the dorms, you know. Wednesday night was MK3 night, and they'd all come in, and we would have, you know, 
um, just big tournaments and all sorts of stuff going on. So that was that was fun. Um, but as far as arcade collecting, um, we had a cousin um, who had a pool table in his basement. You know, everybody's everybody's got somebody in their family who's got like a ping pong table or a pool table. You know, and you just love to go over their houses when they have birthdays or whatever. You can take advantage of all the stuff that they have that you don't have. So he had a he had a pool table and his dad had a what was it Charlie's Angels pinball machine and that just blew my mind the fact that you could have a um, an arcade game or a pinball machine in your own home that you could use anytime you want it was like mind blowing to me you know <laughs> so I always told myself man when I get older you know when I when I have the means I want to get something like that you know uh, to have for my own and I think actually that game had some issues and I think his dad swapped it for uh, um, and I don't I don't pronounce this right but is it Panthera Pantera Panthera pinball machine um, and then later on he ended up getting a Matt Mania uh, arcade game that wasn't working so this was probably about when I was man I want to say close to 20 I was in college at the time getting my degree uh, to become an electrical engineer and uh, we were at we were at his house for a barbecue uh, over the summer, and he calls me downstairs. He's like, "You're, hey, you're, you know, you're becoming an engineer. Maybe you can help me fix this thing." And it was a Matt Mania game. Thing was dead. You know, didn't do anything. Um, but I always remember that it was there. You know, and I, and I always remember that this guy's not going to be able to fix this thing. And so, sure enough, like years later, I had graduated from college, got my first job. I was in living in Vermont at the time, um, northern Vermont. And uh, just on a whim, I called him up and asked him, hey, you still got that Matt Mania game? He's like, take it away. Get this thing out of here, you know. <laughs> it hasn't worked ever since I've gotten it. So hauled the thing home, took it all apart, and um, it just ended up being um, a bad CPU. So uh, I think that game has two 6502s. One is drives the sound, and one drives the, the everything else, runs the whole game. So I just simply swapped the two, and the game came to life, but it had no sound. But it told me that all I needed was another 6502 to get it working. Um, so I just went on eBay, you know, grabbed one, threw it in there, and uh, when it came to life, you know, and the sound came on, it was like, that was it. I was like, crack. I just wanted more of that, you know. Fixing games was, was so much fun. I love so, how, I don't interrupt, but I love how Adam's story involves like fixing games before he even discovered Clob or any of the rest of this shit. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's, like, yeah. that's what I'm into. I'm into I'm into the the technical aspects of it. You know, the 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 figuring out how they work, and I don't know. I'm a I'm a techie guy, so just the understanding the architecture and the hardware. I mean, I just I eat that stuff up more than I do playing the games. You know, I I love fixing them and figuring out how they all work. And so I know it's kind of weird, but. I know some guys are like really into the uh, aesthetics of the games, right? They just love the way they look and the artwork, and it's just so nostalgic. Um, and I'm into I'm into that, but I'm also really into you know the uh, just the mechanics of it, and, and just from a technical aspect, how it takes all this information and makes them the screen, makes the sound work. I don't know. I just eat that up. It's kind of weird. Uh, I, just, I just I love your segue. That's <laughs> so well, good. We, so we yeah, need more I, people I, like you. Yes. Yeah. If, all your broken there, shit, if no. there weren't anyone, on this, yeah. If there were no people like you on the forums, we'd all be screwed. Right. <laughs> so yeah, so I got that one working, and then what happened after that? I got in touch with a guy. Um, yeah. So 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 that was it for me. Like I wanted more of that, and so I was trying to find people in the area who had games that didn't work and were willing to let them go cheap. And I bumped into this guy in Northern Vermont, Burlington, Vermont. 
And he was like, yeah, I got some stuff, you know, come on over. And he, he opened this, you know, this large garage bay door, and he just had games everywhere. I mean, it was just a, it was an old operator's warehouse. I think the operator had, had basically take all of his less desirable stuff. You know, this was probably late 90s at the time, so all of what we considered classics, he considered junk. He just wanted them out of there. He was in all full, uh, you know, all into JAMA and whatever the latest trends were. Daytona USA and all that kind of crap. So, what's that? The shit that made money back then. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So he had a ton of classics um, just in this back warehouse, and um, and I could tell too that there was he was an, he was another guy who was not going to be able to fix any of this stuff. And so we worked on the deal. I would fix a game for him in exchange for credit to get one of the other you know games. And so this ha this worked for like a couple years. I would fix a few games and then get a get a working or non-working game, I should say, from him, and then just keep doing that, you know, over and over and over. And, and that's kind of how I acquired, I would say, at least seventy-five percent of the collection that I have today. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I do I still have I still have all those games that I got from him. Um, but I also bumped to this guy, Bobby Volk. He's a legendary guy from Northern Vermont. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him, but he um, this guy was like. I don't know. He, I, I bumped into him because he used to be an operator, and um, I, 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 I pinged a couple guys. The guy from Burlington who replied to my ad, and then this guy too. And he's like, "Yeah, hey, I got some stuff. You know, um, why don't you come over and check it out?" And it was like I don't know, an hour and a half drive in the middle of the woods to find this guy. You know, and and I, I it was a very sketchy situation. You know, I was a little worried at first, but then I get to his house and he's got this massive um, log cabin. And uh, you walk in there, and he's got multiple game rooms. I mean, this guy is like, he's, he's one of those guys who's very, very meticulous about his games. Everything's got to be perfect, the CPO, the side art, you know, everything. Um, so upstairs, actually, I have, I, have a, um, I have a picture. I don't know if you guys can see this. This is his upstairs game room. So this is Bobby Volk from northern Vermont. Yeah. And... Um, wow. This was Game Room Magazine, September 2005, and then down here, he's this is like one of this one of the shots from his game room in his basement. So, I I met up with him and and uh, found out that he had his whole upper game room all set, you know, was filled with pins, but all of his uh, vids were in storage, and he was trying to get this basement arcade up and running, but he didn't have anybody to wire it. And so my dad was an electrical contractor, and I, I worked as an electrician for him for many years, ever since you know high school, running wire and stuff. And so I made a deal with him. I, you know, I said, hey, I'll, I'll wire your basement in exchange for a pinball machine. And so he's like, sure. So I, I grabbed materials and whatever and wired up his whole basement, got it all going. And in exchange for that, I got a roadshow, Williams Roadshow from him, nice. which is upstairs. And so um, he really taught me a lot about the whole aesthetics because I was all into the technical stuff. I didn't understand, you know, s graphics and CPU overlays and all that kind of junk. And so he really took the time to kind of walk me through all that kind of stuff. And um, we just shared a lot of knowledge. I would fix games for him in exchange for, you know, just other stuff, parts and whatever. And and so that's how I got into all that. And then it just kind of carried on from there. I, I got into doing a lot of repairs um, for people that I knew locally, like John, of course. Um, and then that kind of just led to Clov um, and helping people, you know, fixing their games on Clov. Uh, and then I just found that um, I can't, I don't remember how my my um, my YouTube channel started. I think I just you know I did a repair for John. I did a repair for one other guy. And then just the feedback was, hey, can you you know can you fix my board? Can you can you explain how you you know the whole process? Whatever. Like sure. 
and that just kind of took off and so um, that led to the whole series that I do on you know repair and, and stuff like that um, but lately it's been like you know I, I'm in the hobby I know I, I I'm it's kind of like yak you know I'm, I'm looking at all the I'm looking at all the posts on Clov and stuff like that but I haven't really been you know giving a lot of attention to like the game room or the games that I have and stuff it's just with work and and kids and all that other kind of stuff going on I haven't been able to spend as much time in, in the hobby as I want to but I'm still like you know really you know into it and and all that other kind of stuff so I'm still I'm still present and I'm still out there you know in the community and stuff just just not really as active as I want to be and, and not you know in the game room you know um, investing in that as much as I want to be but so that's pretty much it in a nutshell you wired John's basement, didn't you? No, actually, I didn't. His his neighbor, I think his neighbor is an electrician. Oh. Okay. And so he beat me to it, <laughs> but which which is fine because you know my free time around the time that he did his arcade was was pretty slim. So, yeah. but he did a good job. Yeah, hey I mean, you didn't like the uh, Donkey Kong and the ColecoVision better than the Nintendo. You know, I don't think I played Donkey Kong. You mean like on the NES? Right. Yeah, I don't think I ever played Donkey Kong on the NES. I think, and I don't even—I didn't even realize that it came out on the NES. Excuse me, until years later. Um, I think I was just so looking into, you know, like Metroid and Zelda and, and the the games that you know, Atari or Donkey Kong to me seemed like such an old game compared right. to the games that were coming yeah, out at the I time. So I didn't even look back. I didn't look at like you know. I, I think like Miss Pac-Man probably came out on the NES too. I believe. I was like, why would I even waste my time with that when it's like you know. All these other games, you know, Blaster Master or Master Blaster, um, and all those other kind of games that came out. I was just so drawn into that. I really didn't, you know, give those other games a, a second look. I went berserk with Donkey Kong on the on the ColecoVision because it was so close to the arcade. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, there the, were a lot uh, of games that were like that. That were just I, I don't know. I thought the I thought the ColecoVision was just such a superior system. I, I loved it. So the, to this day, I still love the ColecoVision. The, the computer version that was for the ColecoVision, the Atom, I think you called it, yeah. right? Yeah, I think that was the only version that, that for home use, that included the uh, Pie Factory, too. Because even oh, the did NES didn't have the Pie Factory. Yeah, the NES didn't have that. This, yeah. is, the, this is the beast right here. The yeah, yeah. So that was like a big deal back then. <laughs> that is like, a beast. Not the Pie Factory. <laughs> That's like what was really favorite. horrible about this thing was that the, the EMF that would come out of the printer was so massive that it would erase your tapes. And so people would I mean, look at look at the space on top of this printer. It's like perfect for like throwing some crap on there, like yeah, some tapes, you know, when you're not in use. And so um, they had so many problems with people that would that would get these systems and then um, you know, after a day of use, the games that came with the system were completely blank. And it's because <laughs> when you fire this thing up it would just it was like a you know EMP pulse, it would just blast out and erase any, any tape that you had in like a five foot radius. That so, was a daisy wheel printer, right? Yeah, it was. Oh, that that's another thing too. That's right. So I did all my homework uh, from high school on this on this bad boy. And when that daisy wheel printer uh, fired up, it it literally sounded like a machine gun. Like it sounded like you were, you know, in World War II. And so I would turn the printer on and and then I would hit print and run out of my room and close the door and it just sounded like firecrackers just going off. You know, for a half an hour or whatever as it printed my whole uh, my whole my whole uh, reports and whatnot. I'm loving the so. joystick there on the right hand on the right hand one. Yeah, I didn't have that attachment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, had an, I had an Apple too. 
I had an Apple II and it had a Daisy wheel, and I know exactly. Oh, did it? Yeah. I learned to write basic, hell, man. To write basic on the Apple because back in those days, uh, the Apple came with a basic compiler, and man, uh, I used the Daisy wheel to print out my my programs. And yeah. You're right. It made a lot of noise and made a lot of RF. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know I don't know why. Maybe I had one of the later versions where they fixed that. I never had a tape go bad on me, but I just heard the horror stories of people who, you know, went out and got these things, and then uh, the thing would actually destroy the software <laughs> that wow. came with it. So, but yeah, I used to. I mean, I used to do basic on it. I think logo was a thing I was really big into because it allowed you to draw on the screen and create your own icons and yeah. you know just kind of graphically create scenes and things like that. I just I fell in love with that kind of stuff. Wasn't oh, yeah. Donkey Kong the game that came with the Coleco? It was, yeah. That was the bundle. I think it came with it. Yeah. Which is a big reason why it was a, such a big seller. So. Yeah. It's funny. There's games that I played on the Coleco that I never even realized that were um, originally arcade games, like Omega Race. Omega Race is probably one of my favorite games on the ColecoVision, and it wasn't until years after I started collecting that I came across a, an Omega Race um, upright and it blew my mind. And, and the fact that it was on a vector monitor too just seemed weird to me. It's like, how could it, how could you make that game on a vector monitor? But of course, it's you know, it looks looks beautiful. Same same thing happened to me with the 2600. Um, playing all these Atari games, and I didn't know. And, and I think it it was a blessing that I didn't know that any of them exactly. were games. You didn't realize they were ports. <laughs> yeah, because I thought they were fun and they were great games. And I thought that was just what it was. And then yeah. when the time came that I finally played the arcade version, I'm like, holy crap! I was missing out. <laughs> not not it, it. It's not like I had you know you had played the arcade version and you got all excited for the port and then you were disappointed. It was the other way around. Right. Yeah. It's like I thought this was good then, and now it's even better. You know. Yeah, sometimes when I look though, when I play some of those games now, I, you know, I, I'm looking for the nostalgia, nostalgia to come back. I'll pop in a ColecoVision version of whatever game, and I'll play it. I'll be like, after playing the arcade version, it's like, oh, this is crap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just doesn't yeah. look the same, or you know. Well, back so. when you were a kid, too, you had to like it because you might have dropped thirty, forty, fifty bucks in the game. Oh yeah. And you know you're not going to get another one for a couple months or three months or six months. I never start. I never started paying that much coin for a game until I got into the NES. You know, before then it was Atari and ColecoVision, and you know, luckily we we the only reason we were able to get into that is because of the video game crash in the early '80s, and so we were picking up games for like you know five bucks, you know, maybe ten bucks. Um, but then once the NES came out, yeah, there was a big investment. In I remember buying I remember buying Atari games at uh, garage sales. Mm. Um, I got got a lot at, at garage sales, um, but. I think there actually are a couple of games on Atari that I I, I wish they had actually made arcade versions of, specifically mm. uh, Keystone Capers. That was my favorite game ever. Yeah, that was a fun one. The game is so good. And, you know, by, like, the fifth level, the carts are flying so fast. The the basketball is, like, nuts. I mean, you got the airplanes you have to duck under. It was such a cool concept. I'm just surprised that they didn't make, like, a Cops and Robbers type game like that for... Um, in the arcades. Oh, so find, find an empty cabinet and make one yourself. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing that with Jumpman Jr. Yeah, people huh. do that in CACs. They, they create their own uh, uh, cabinets and they bring them, and it's pretty cool that they do that. Yeah. I just think if they if that game had been um, built with arcade hardware at the time, how, how great it would have been. And I thought, you know, as a kid, I thought even, like, Mario Brothers was a ton of fun on the 2600. Little did I know that it was, you know, way dumbed down, but um, 
<laughs> Me and my cousin used to play the hell out of that game. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, Keystone Capers and uh, Chopper Command was a good one too. I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, I did the same thing you did though. I went to the uh, rental store before you know before any NES purchase. Um, I, I well, yeah, I mean, that that and or just really look look at it in, in detail. Like Nintendo Power would do a full blown review, you know, multi page spread on the game, and based on that, I might buy it. But but for the most part, I'd go out and rent it first, and because it was just such a gamble. As a kid, it's like thirty forty bucks. That's a lot of money oh, for a yeah. kid, you know. So save up lots of allowances for me. Exactly. <laughs> Drink a lot of milk, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we used to just rent them a lot in the like in the summers between in high school, between school years. We we would just rent them for you know two or three days and just play them all night, <laughs> get our fill in two or three days, and then go on to the next game. Somebody's finishing off a pint of ice cream. Something like <laughs> I know what that sound. It's making me hungry. Sorry, I, I was, uh, it was a yogurt. I was yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who hasn't gone? Well, I haven't gone. Andrew hasn't gone, yeah. We'll go. All right. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what are you waiting for? <laughs> well, I was waiting for someone to say go. 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 <laughs> so so uh, I guess... Probably my, my biggest introduction to arcades as a kid is... So I was born in 74, so I'm the same age as Adam. Um, but my brother was four years older. So I was the tag-along little kid going wherever the big brother went. And he liked arcade games, so goddamn right I was going to be in arcade games. <laughs> and I remember um, probably uh, the, the, the closest arcade to my house that I remember going to was Tilt. Um, this is one of the franchises, I'm sure. But like, is uh, this all in Colorado, or where like, are you? Well, I was born outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, and then I moved to Colorado uh, when I was a kid. But yeah, so that it was the the tilt at the the local mall that I went to all the time, and it was like with my brother. And the games I really remember playing a lot there. Um, elevator action was a big one because um, that. Relatively simple controls, and a kid could kind of get those things. Um, Moon Patrol was another one from playing back then, like as a kid. Like that, that one really left some, some good roots in my uh, my arcade history. And then, aside from that, like um, Showbiz Pizza was was in the area, so we actually had the Rocket Fire Explosion. So I I definitely remember going to. Uh, showbiz Pizza and 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 Chuck E. Cheese was kind of around at the same time, but I really remember the Showbiz Pizza because um, the one that was closest to us, we had a, a couple of my, my my neighborhood friends like they had pizza parties there for birthdays and stuff like that. And I remember walking into Showbiz Pizza and like just being blown away by these crazy animated characters on screen. And they actually, I think the one that, that I remember, they had two stages. Like you walked in, there was like one stage, and there was like shows going on, and they had like a timer for like when the shows would happen, and and then they had like another stage that actually had like the main band on it, and watching that it just it just blew me the fuck away. It's like, oh my god, like this is like a cartoon come to life. Right, that's a good way of putting it. It it just was 
crazy. And there's, you know, all the stuff on stage, and they had the flags on the walls that would, you know, like wave and like, and then uh, of course the arcade was like, oh my god, like all these games that I just, I, so I had a huge connection like from very early on with arcade games. Um, and then my parents split up, so probably classic story. I don't know if, how many of you guys have the same story, but like my parents split up when I was pretty young. And so there was always this sort of like thing between my dad and my mom. And I remember one year for Christmas, my brother really got it, but it like it went to both of us. He got a 2600 for Christmas. And I remember playing that at his house, hooked up to his like color TV, and an old like fucked up old console thing with like built in stereo. And, and probably it was a, a pretty small, like maybe a 19-inch TV, but it seemed gigantic. And it's like playing combat, because that's the only game we got with it. And playing combat on that thing, and that was like Christmas for that year. And that was, it was probably pretty early on, uh, 77, 78, I want to say. It was relatively early on when it first came out. And it was like a really big deal that like Dad gave us this. And of course, like once we all wrap it up and like take it home, Mom wouldn't let us plug it into like the big TV in the family room, so all we had was this crappy little like twelve-inch black and white TV, <laughs> and that was where the Atari lived. I, yep. I swear, people back in the day used to think that they would damage the TV. Also, my father-in-law oh, still thinks that. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, you can't have it on the nice TV. It's yeah. got to be on the smaller, junky one, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. That's yeah, like it's got to be in the junky uh, TV in the basement, which is like where the TV is. <laughs> They like yep. got still had like the UHF thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Atari was a big deal for us, like because like you know like Dad bought us and it was like we had games. There were other friends in the neighborhood. We trade cartridges. We all had twenty six hundred. So you know we had you know maybe a small handful of carts too. And like Adam said, the same story too. Like like my parents, you know, especially after the divorce, like my mom didn't have a lot of money. My dad didn't really either, but he kind of spoiled us when he had us. And um, so we just had a few carts that we played a crap load out of. But, like, yeah, there was, like, trading with your friends. It was like, oh, yeah. Well, you've got Haunted House. Fuck, yeah, I don't have Haunted House. So you have to play you know, a new game every once in a while. And so, like, but like, a lot of that was just the arcade games. It still was, like, based in the arcade games that I remembered from the arcade. And when eventually we got a little bit older, um, my first introduction to computers was uh, we had a TI-994A. So that's what I learned BASIC on with the TI. And that actually had cartridges in it as well. So they TI had like a handful of carts that were dedicated for it, and we played a bunch of those games. But that's where like my first introduction to like computers and programming and stuff like that came from, which eventually became what I, you know, I really do for a day job right now. And um, when I got a little bit older and I got my Nintendo, that was in 19... 88, and the big deal with that was, is like, all right, so Nintendo had been out for a few years, and I had friends in, like, middle school who had it, but I didn't really have it, and then it was the uh, the summer between middle school and high school that I got my first job, and I, wash, I was washing dishes and throwing pizzas, and I remember I saved up my first paycheck, and a buddy of mine, uh, this is when I first moved to Colorado. So my buddy of mine, when I first moved in there, the guy, the first like friend that I made in Colorado, he had an NES, and he's the one who got me the job at the the, the the pizza place that I worked at, and 
my first paycheck, I remember I didn't work there for a full two weeks, and we were getting paid like three bucks an hour. It was like fucking nothing. <laughs> and my first paycheck I got, I'd only worked for a few days. But um, we went down to uh, the, the, the local, like, Big Mart. I think it was, it was either Walmart or Target or something like that. And I remember, like, I'm going to buy my own NES. But the games that I wanted were the arcade games. Right, so like the before I even bought my my NES, I bought Spy Hunter. <laughs> nice, I had I that too. Cartridge. I bought the cartridge before I even had the fucking system. Yeah, <laughs> like, wow. arcade. It's like, oh my god, Spy Hunter! Holy shit! Like I totally remember playing that as a kid. I gotta buy that game even before I have this. And I took it off. It's like unwrapped it. I had the cartridge and it's like, <laughs> I can't wait until my next paycheck and I can like, buy my game. <laughs> buy the system that play this thing. What did you think of that port, though, when you finally put it in? It, it was not the best. It's not the best port. Yeah. Um, but I still remember, like, like all the NES games, like all the games that I bought, like that first year for like like working at the the, the pizza place, it was like I just bought the arcade games. You know, so it came with uh, Duck Hunt and uh, Super Mario, but like it was the arcade, like uh, Zelda. I never really like I, early on. I didn't really get into it. Metroid, like, that wasn't an arcade game. I wasn't interested in it. Oh. But it's like Mario Brothers, Donkey Kong, um, Spy Hunter, obviously. Like, those original arcade games, being able to play them, like, much closer than my old and my old uh, 2600, like, being able to play the arcade ports, it's like, holy shit, this version of Donkey Kong is going to be, like, the same as the arcade because it's so much more awesome. And, of course, it wasn't. But yeah. it was still pretty awesome for me at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, for the Nintendo, like, the NES, like, the, the, even having that cart, it really was all about the arcade games. And then um, when I moved to, the, to Colorado, we actually, up in the mountains where I lived, we actually had a pretty damn good arcade up there. It was a tourist town. And, you know, in late 80s, uh, this was uh, started before, like, the fighters really came out, so before Street Fighter. I remember that when, when that hit the arcades. But, like, we still had, like, a pretty awesome arcade in this town, and... It was like, you know, uh, that's where, uh, so uh, I remember playing uh, Spy Hunter sit down there. That was incredible. Uh, Star Wars, they had a cockpit. Um, that's where I started playing Rastin. Um, and then later on, you know, uh, later on as the other games came in, actually there, there was no Donkey Kong there, so I never played that there. But like later games that came in, the later Capcom games like UN Squadron, Forgotten Worlds, all that stuff came to like my home arcade. And then later like the, the fighting games came in. So that was like where I lived. I, I know I, I know. I told this game uh, this this story. I don't know if uh, it's actually been recorded, but I know I told this story. But like I uh, in high school, I worked at a movie theater uh, most of high school, and so after high school, uh, you know, school ended at like three three thirty, and I didn't have to be at the movie theater until seven. So I had to burn that time between three and seven o'clock on my paltry tips and salary from that place. Um, but every penny went into the fucking arcade. Like, really, like, all my money went into either buying, like, music, which I was big into at the time, too. So, like, buying a CD for every uh, paycheck I got, and the rest of it just all went to the arcade. Um, but that's where it's, like, got into, like, like trying to, like, stretch the quarter, really. Like, especially as, like, a, like a teenager, stretch the quarter as long as you possibly could. Um, and then, uh, through my... Uh, Illustration work, and then eventually, by computer background, I got my first job doing computer stuff. 
and that was in uh, 90, well, it really started in 93, and then really took off like in the mid-90s, but that's when um, the first early versions of MAME were around. And I remember playing, a, I think it was probably a Mac port, because that's most of what we were using, is, uh, so it's a Mac, or an early version of Mac MAME. And of course, like the arcade games, like holy shit, it's like you're actually seeing the game. It kind of played like shit. <laughs> but like you were actually seeing the arcade games playing on a monitor. It's like that's what like kind of drew me back into. So yeah, I, I have to say that like, I came back into arcades via MAME, but it's been a long time running with MAME. And then, uh, you know, kind of didn't, I dicked around with it on the computer every couple of years. I'd go back to it and check and see how MAME came along and if they'd fix some of the problems and, like, you know, the processors got a little bit faster and you're able to play the games a little bit better and, the you know, the work was done. And then it wasn't until I bought my first house in uh, 2008 that I started, like, really thinking about arcade games again. And then it didn't really become a real reality until I, I kind of, like, I finally had my garage here and that didn't start really coming together until 2010, and then I was like, all right, I gotta fucking do this. I gotta build, like, a real main cabinet. I wanna put these games, they're finally kind of working on modern-day hardware well enough. And so I built um, my first main cabinet that I bought, actually, from John Exidy here in Colorado. And that was the, uh, the Mortal Kombat that now Aaron has. And, yeah, I built my first MAME machine, and everything, like, worked really well with that. But as I got into that, it's like, I was playing MAME, and it's like, I had the space. And I was like, I can totally do this. And I started picking, and then I was like, well, i got to start picking up the original games. Like, there's certain stuff you just can't do in MAME. Uh, I didn't want to have control panels that were like, you know, the, 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 the aircraft carrier fucking right. <laughs> with a flight stick and a Star Wars yoke and a you know, fucking uh, Super Sprint Wheel, which was one of the games I, you know, so Chris, that's one of the things, like, we were talking about, like, with Super Sprint, I was wondering. Uh -huh. I had friends back in that arcade game, we used to, yeah, the, the arcade in, in, the, in the mountains, and it was like, playing Super Sprint was fucking super odd. That was definitely one of our games that we played right. as a group. Um, so, yeah, it's like, I need to start getting the real games. And, like, uh, I'll pick up the games that have weird controls, right? So Tron was a game, I had a huge connection. I loved the first fucking movie. That was a huge big deal. And I probably got that because my brother was four years older. Maybe he got it a little bit better. But like, I love that first trauma movie because it was kind of a cartoon, right? Mm -hmm. But like a movie as well. And so like the Tron arcade game was a big deal for me. So that was actually the second cabinet I bought. And then the rest of it just started happening. Then, then it became like, all right, so Tron, actually, honestly, I, pre I, I paid way too much for it. It was in, the cabinet was in good shape, but it, it needed a full restoration, which I did do it. But that was a fuckload of work. And then I started, like, becoming a little bit wiser about how I made my purchases. So then at that point, I started getting really kind of stingy. <laughs> and so most of my games, I, I paid, like, very reasonable prices for it, especially, like, the prices nowadays. Um, but that really started, uh, 2008 was when I started getting kind of into it, and then 2010 is when I bought my my uh, the, the main cabinet. And I didn't I didn't join Claw for a long time. I lurked on Claw for a long time, a couple, a few years, um, before I actually was like, eh, I guess I'll start posting and asking questions. And I think it was around that time I bought Donkey Kong, and I actually had some questions because my, my the monitor in Donkey Kong was having problems. 
So at that point, it's like, all right, I need help. Uh-huh. So I started asking questions then like, early on, like trying to figure these things out. Hey, Andrew. Um, yeah. Hey, Andrew, uh, Dave from Buffalo is on the YouTube chat, and he wants you to look over your shoulder at your games and smile and tell you that you own them. <laughs> yeah. I've created the arcade of my youth. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not perfect. There's still games uh, that I'm missing. I don't have a Moon Patrol, and that was like one of my first ones. Elevator Action, I don't have one of those. If I had Infinite Space, Forgotten Infinite Worlds, Restore the game, Roston, I can't believe you don't have that yet. Oh, he will. Working, but I have the cabinet for that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have two boards. And and a uh, marquee coming your way. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, that's right. And I, and I can play Raston in um in my my main cabinet, the Super Street Street Fighter Two Turbo. Like go. I plug that in, I can play Raston all day long on that. Um, how much how how much did you pay for your Tron? I know you said you paid a lot, but I paid eight hundred for it, and it was in in pieces. In shambles, yeah. How and what year was that? Two thousand ten. That was two thousand. I think that was the, the probably followed up the next year. That was two thousand eleven. Okay. All right. Cool. So yeah, and I, I, actually, I got that one from Exidy as well. And the cabinet—don't get me wrong—the cabinet's a great save. But I learned very quickly about how to deal with John after that. <laughs> don't, I don't. I don't do that. That stuff with John anymore. What's that? Buy uh, nicely redone, ready-to-go cabs. <laughs> uh, agree to his first price. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I think John and I, we, we've come to terms like over the years now. So like I think, <laughs> I think he knows I won't fuck around with prices, and I know he won't fuck around with prices. So, yeah. There's always wiggle room, right? <laughs> there is, yeah. And I, I didn't know how to bargain at that point. Like you're, 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 you're seeing stars. You're like, oh my god, it's the game, and it's like, yeah, fuck it, just give it to me, and I'll just figure it out. And yeah, you make those mistakes, and then you recover from them, and you, you stop doing that, and then. Then you're buying cabinets for much better prices. You get a much better idea of like where the market's at and what you should be paying for stuff and what it really takes to restore stuff back to I was just going to say that. It, that. That was a big mistake I made countless times was, uh, well, the game works, um, but not being able to really predict or project how much I'm going to put into this to get it you know, yeah. back in a good shape. Right, and I think I think I've gotten to the point too. Like as I've gotten closer and closer to the the most amount of games I can get in here, which I'm pretty darn near, um, I'm not willing to spend shit. Yeah. <laughs> <Right? laughs> you know what? Like I'll 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 pick up another game, but it's got to be a good deal for me because I'm not hungry anymore. I've got too many projects to work on. I mean, everything's working actually. I could fire everything up. Seven twenty. I tried again today. Seven twenty is not running. But. Uh. But that's a restoration I knew I was I was going to be dealing with here at some point, so that's not a big deal. So you still um, have a main, main cabinet, or not? I don't have a main cabinet anymore. Okay. Yeah. So eventually, though, so Mark, uh, I got to thank you for this, but like, so I've I've got a setup for it, which will eventually probably live inside a big blue, um, because oh, that's a the hyperspin stuff. What's that? The hyperspin stuff. Yeah, but I'm going to have to build a, another computer for it, and uh, I'm actually kind of waiting right now on arcade shops. Um, their uh, MAME, MAME, JAMA, or MAME, MAME, or MAME, JAMA, JAMA. Oh, that's not arcade shop. That's, 
Oh, that's Paradise Arcade. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Paradise Arcade. He's working on a Mame two, and then a, a, a then two Jamma connectors. And I think that might work pretty well inside of a uh, Big Blue as being a a Mame machine, just to be able to play some of the, the games that like I won't be able to get for a little bit or don't have space for right now. Yeah. Especially if it has similar controls and you know similar. Exactly. Cabinet. Yeah, if it's an eight-way joystick and can handle up to six buttons per player, then you know I'll be able to play uh, Turtles or Simpsons, that sort of thing on it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, having a main machine, I think, is really good and important part of, of being in the you know having the ability at least to be able to throw games in a main and try them or uh, test them. I think having a main machine around is definitely a good tool. Um, yeah, but actually dedicating more space at this point to having a full-on MAME machine, I just I can't do it right now. Yeah, I, I use MAME. Uh, well, I mean, everyone uses MAME to try out a game, but I like to use it, too, to see what the color balance is Yeah. Uh, right. when, I'm, when I'm tuning the game in. Like, it, it'll never look um, the same on, on a CRT as, like, my LED monitor because it's going to be super bright, but you can kind of see, like, what the ratio is from, like, a red to a green. Right. It's like... So, like, it, I like it. neighborhood to aim for, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's it is definitely a good tool. Yeah, so I mean, like, I think having Mame around uh, is is important, but yeah, for a full dedicated cabinet, I I just have a tough time with the idea right now. That brings me, uh, Andrew. It's funny that you're you're talking about the early days of Mame, and I I kind of was the same way um, when I realized that you could you could play the actual arcade version on your computer, but I remember specifically playing on my parents. Uh, at the time, my parents uh, had a, like a Windows 95, like Pentium 1, 66 megahertz machine with like 16 megs of of RAM or whatever. And I remember like having to dial back everything, like frame skipping, or oh, even wow. did, like it was always like a toss up: Do I have to should I frame skip, or should I have it play all the frames but disable the sound? It was like you. It was always a compromise to play everything like other than the like really old classics. Like if I want to play Turtles, I always had to either disable sound or uh, or turn on frame skipping. And now almost everything plays on modern day hardware with flawlessly. You yeah, know. you remember like, where you had to have sound samples and throw them in a folder? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that was such a pain. Well, and and it's interesting because I've noticed. Uh, um, I hadn't gotten the the latest version of Mame for a long time, and like several years, and so I got it. And one thing I know has changed instantly were a lot of the defaults, like with the buffering and even the frame skipping. It used to be default; it would have frame skipping set to one, and now the default is no frame skips. Right. So like even the defaults have changed based on the hardware. It's kind of funny. No, I, I totally remember playing back in the, the the late '90s, where it's like you play the games, and it's almost like the old. Uh, on the NES, I had I had the advantage, the the the, the joystick, the arcade. Yeah. 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 Fuck, man, I, I wanted to play the arcade games, right? Yeah. They had they had the slow motion button, <laughs> which which was effectively just you like the same effect as you just hitting the start button over and over and over again, really quick. Oh yeah, yeah. That's all it did. <laughs> and I remember like playing Mame in the '90s was like that, like just playing some of the games where like there'd be so oh. much stutter and slowdown. Yeah. Wow. Game, but it was like in total slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Fight on the keyboard. 
Yeah. And some games didn't have sound at all, no matter what. You know, that's why they keep putting out a new version of Mame because then they put out a list of what now will play on it. What you know, or you know, there's oh, still issues with the newer games out there, like games from the '90s. But most everything from the '80s runs. I don't know. Yeah. Just about anything you think of runs pretty pretty decent. How does uh, how does Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. play and, and the latest versions of Mame? They at one point I think they I think it was the analog sounds that they had to have samples for. The digital sounds wasn't a problem; they could emulate that fine. But the analog sounds they they had samples, and it ran beautiful. But then they came up with some way to try to authentically emulate the analog sounds, and like the gameplay just tanked. It was just oh, everything oh. crawled. Yeah, that was just a couple of years ago. It was like that. Is it still like that, or no? Actually, at Donkey Kong, Donkey, Jr., Donkey Kong Jr. run pretty well with sound and how they play. But uh, Mario Brothers uh, has still has sound issues. Um, that used to have sound samples for the running. You know, the kind of squeaky sound of the when they run. They totally sound off, really bad in Mame, and they still haven't fixed it. And they don't even give you the option to use the sound sample, so it does sound correct. That's what sucks. And yeah, that pisses me off. It's like, and I and I've written, written, you know, written to people, and they're like, "Well, we want it to run on original ROM instead of you using a sample. So yeah. if it can run, we just haven't had the right code yet that runs it correctly like it should. So it's you know, you just got to keep waiting until someone fixes it, I guess. But that's my experience with. Or you have to find that back level version that makes it still use the samples, right? Yeah. At one point, it yeah. sounded and played fine. <laughs> On an old CD somewhere, I have in a file. I'm sure right. I do. <laughs> I remember trying to play the early versions of the Neo Geo games, and that would just tank my computer. Uh, <laughs> they just those run pretty well too now. And you, I'd spend all night downloading them on dial-up and hoping that there was no disconnect. Because right. there's like 13 megs or whatever. Mom, I'm yeah. on the phone! Yeah. <laughs> really, really late at night. And uh, and then um, I remember reading, uh, you know, I'm like, there's got to be a way to make this thing play and reading about how you could turn on virtual memory and increasing your, you know, the page oh, files yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, that, so that I could essentially upgrade our memory to like 48 megs. And then I was able to play yeah. them, but not without... Or not with sound and <laughs> all that stuff. It was all it was all fun just to just to see it running. Yeah, when when my daughter has friends over playing on my uh, main cabinet, uh, Neo Geo is actually a real popular uh, area they like to play. They like um, Metal Slug games are still really popular. Yeah. I, maybe because they're sort of like the Contra series a little bit, but everybody loves playing those. That one and Puzzle Fighter are very popular. Oh, Puzzle Fighter's great. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a real competition thing, you know. You start yelling at people, and yeah, <laughs> fun. So, yeah. so before before it gets too crazy late, I gotta say, I I am dying to hear what Steve from Grinkers. Oh, he's asleep. Sign locks. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> he totally was or is. I, Someone asked him. Brad, you gotta put him on. <laughs> Are you dreaming? Are you dreaming, Steve? Uh, Are you in an environmental of Tron Discotron cockpit right now? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Steve, I gotta say, man, I, I honestly like since you joined, like we were having this conversation, I've been dying to hear about your history. Yeah. Oh, he's muted. Is he muted still? Right, I'll mute him. Someone unmute him. Yeah. There you go. I got it. 
Sorry. Yeah, the reason I'm so tired is because my kids started school yesterday, and oh. uh, my daughter's in the ninth grade now, high school, and it's like starts at seven twenty in the yeah, morning. It's an extra hour you just lost. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it just sucks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I got into. Oh, man, I I think I first got into it when my dad brought home um, an Atari Pong console, you know, just two controllers, and uh, we hooked it up to our TV, and uh, I just played that thing nonstop. It was just Pong, Pong, Pong all the time, and uh, I'm not sure exactly on the timing of it, but about uh, about at some point. We were at a um, a restaurant somewhere in town, and they had a uh, an Atari anti aircraft. Um, and I remember playing that anti aircraft, um, and just being amazed by it. Um, and then after anti aircraft, I remember playing um, uh, Sea Wolf at uh, uh, the golf course where my dad and my uncle played. So I would uh, I'd tag along. And go to um, pretty much just follow them around for nine holes of golf, just to be able to play uh, Sea Wolf at the end for like you know five minutes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and it was an investment, and I was I was I was willing to make that investment as much as I could. You know, I would do that over and over and over again uh, to be able to play that Sea Wolf. So any aircraft, Sea Wolf, and then later on. Um, was Galaxian. Uh, there was a 7-Eleven down the street from uh, where I lived, and my dad worked like a uh, weird shift. Like he'd start work at uh, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. He he taught. Uh, he was a tutor, so he'd tutor kids after school in Beverly Hills. So he'd come home at like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, having finished tutoring for the day, and uh, we'd go down to. Seven uh, Eleven. I remember trying to stay awake because um, if I was awake when he got home, you know, every once in a while I'd be able to talk him into taking me to Seven Eleven. So you know, I'm, it's what is it, Galaxian was what seventy eight, seventy nine, eighty, somewhere in there. So I mean, I'm you know I'm uh, eight years old, give or take, trying to stay up at nine till nine nine thirty, and then. Tried to talk my dad into taking me to 7-Eleven on a school night, and the crazy thing is he did. You know, he did every once in a while. Not every once in a while, probably two, three times a month. You know, it's 10, 10:30 at night, and I'm at 7-Eleven with my dad, just busting out Galaxian, which is a lot of fun. Um, That's awesome. There's an old dude. Put that perspective yeah. for like us, like now as adults, like doing that for your kids. Like that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun. There was an old dude that uh, um, that worked at that Seven Eleven, and uh, I remember they had. Um, I, I guess the operator. You know, I, I didn't think about it at the time, but now looking back, I think the operator that had the games at that Seven Eleven um, either gave. The Seven Eleven owners, or maybe the Seven Eleven owners, did their own thing. But they would they had um, quarters that they put like nail polish on, red nail polish, 
And I guess what they were for is they were for if somebody's quarter got eaten um, and said, hey, my quarter got eaten, they'd pull out these special red quarters and, and give them to the, the kid or whatever. And that way the operator could tell, um, you know, when they did their collection at the end of the month, the operator could tell, um, you know, how many of the, um, the special quarters were used. And I remember this old dude, you know, I'm eight years old, and down there with my dad, and, you know, my dad would let me play a little bit, and, you know, we'd play two or three games, and then he'd say, oh, that's it, we're out of quarters. And the old dude would almost always bust out and say, hey, I got one more here for you. So he'd always come out with the, the red painted quarter, and uh, I'd always get that last game of, of Galaxian in. Uh, that's a that's a great fond memory of mine is that extra that red quarter and that extra that extra game of Galaxian at ten thirty at night on a school night um, definitely good times. That's amazing. Um, seeing that story, but like I, I totally remember seeing red quarters like that in the arcade. Like that's hilarious. I wonder if that's like they did the same thing. That's fucking insane. It's gotta be. It's gotta be an accounting thing. That's the only thing I could think yeah. of. I never knew why they were there, but I, I totally remember running across. Who just lets you know, lets the operator know what games are, are what coin mechs are messing up. Yeah, that's yeah. No, that's fucking awesome. I, I had never made that before. I bet that's totally it. Yeah, that's a good idea. We did. Um, so after um, after Galaxian, I think the next big thing that happened was. Um, Twenty Grand Palace, which is uh, which is on Ventura Boulevard in Woodland Hills. I know, Gaff. You said you grew up in Burbank, right? Yep, yep. But you left you left there when you were young, right? Like in yeah, 70... I was like, yeah, end of seventy nine. So all right. Did you, you was you remember um, Castle Golf in Sherman Oaks? It sounds right familiar. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Anyway, but that was a little bit far far away from me. So, but my main arcade was I had um, Twenty Grand Palace in um, Woodland that's not, Hills. That's not the golf course that was uh, the Karate Kid movie, is it? No, it's not. It is down there somewhere, but this was different. Yeah. I never okay. went to the Karate Kid one. Um, but Twenty Grand Palace, which is like two minutes down the road from where I went to high school. Uh, that's the uh, that's the arcade where um, War Games was shot. Oh um, right, yeah. So if you look at if you actually go to uh, if you go to Clav and look at my avatar, it's actually a, a screenshot um, from the War Games movie of Twenty Grand Palace, which is my arcade when I was a kid. So yeah, it's I kind of fun that's awesome. to have that. And it's cool to be able to watch. If you watch war games, it's like, hey, that's my arcade. <laughs> um, it's kind of fun. They did. Um, they did move a whole bunch of shit around. Um, which which is isn't the weird. movie supposed to take place like up in Washington or Seattle. Oregon or yeah, something? Seattle. I think it was in Seattle. Seattle, yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's if you if you if you Google Twenty Grand Palace, there's actually a a, um, a guy that talks about how. 20 Grand Palace is the arcade from the movies and how it's in Seattle and it's all wrong. You know, it was in Woodland Hills. They just said it was from Seattle. Huh. Um, but uh, so I spent a lot of time at 20 Grand Palace and of course, you know, riding my bicycle to the mall. Uh, we had a uh, uh, the arcade there was called the Gold Mine. Uh, that's where I played um, 
Environmental Destron and Super Sprint and Dragon's Lair and um, so that was probably a little bit later, um, you know, like I don't know, eighty five, eighty six, um, maybe a little bit earlier. But yeah, you know, Twenty Grand Palace, which by the way is um, half of where Grinker's Grand Palace gets its name. I was just going to um, ask you that question. <laughs> yep. So Grinker's uh, or Grink is uh, my son's nickname, um, which later became Grinker's. Um, and then Grand Palace um, comes from Grinker's Grand, or from uh, Twenty Grand Palace. So, combo of my son's name, my son's nickname, and my childhood arcade is where the name Grinker's Grand Palace comes from. So, uh, um, then we had like Malibu Grand Prix, and um, there was a really great arcade at. Um, uh, the bowling alley, Woodlake Bowl. That's uh, where I had. Uh, uh, we have a, we have a versus cabinet, uh, the versus dual system uh-huh. at Grinker's, which right now has baseball in it, uh, in both sides. Um, but we had uh, at at Woodlake Bowl, we had um, they had tennis in both sides, and I don't know what it was. I think it was just because it was you know two different screens, heads up. It didn't matter what the game was. It was just awesome to play heads up on two different on two different screens, and so I remember finding a beat to hell. Um, this is a horrible condition versus dual system cabinet on Clove, and the guy's like, "Yeah, this is like a tear down. You're gonna you know, you're gonna you're gonna get it. You're gonna want to part it out, and uh, and it's just, just it's just horrible, bad condition, and." Uh, uh, I gave it to. Uh, we got it here. And it was. It was. It was a bad shape. I mean, it was like you would. You would like rock it, and and the sides would like. Collapse. <laughs> 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 you'd be like, okay, yeah, it's gonna fall apart, man. This is not. This is not good. And we got it to. Uh, um, we we actually it came wrapped. Uh, North American Bandlines had it wrapped in that. You know, in the ship wrap. All the games always come right. And and I think that's the. That's the only thing that held it together. <laughs> we, 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 we took that shrink wrap apart, and it was like, oh, man. And so Todd, who's a, a local guy here that does a lot of our cabinet repairs, um, he uh, he came, and we you know carefully loaded it into his truck, and he, I mean, he brought that thing back a month later, and it's rock solid. I mean, he did a great job. So for anybody that's, that's watching the show now or in the future, um, remember that just about anything can be brought back from the dead. Um, you know, a lot of guys say, oh, you're going to, you know, just trash the cabinet and build a new one or, you know, part it out. You know, I, I say nonsense. I, I think that no matter, if, if it's not rotted, you know, if, if the wood isn't, hasn't taken on tons of water and is rotting and, and crumbling. Um, there's not a lot you can do with that. But barring that, you know, no matter how bad the, the cabinet is, you know, you can bring anything back. And uh, the the versus dual system cabinet at Grinker's is uh, definitely a testament to that. Um, all right, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, Adam, pretty- yeah. <laughs> that's why you fucking do this. That's exactly right. We, um, Dan, um, who's hat trick on the forums, he uh, does most of the um, 
not most. I mean, he's he keeps Brinkers running. Um, you know, we're there every Saturday doing our doing repairs and and um, you know keeping the games happy. Um, I I had a uh, um, any anytime um, there's a game that I want um, and I, I I work a deal on it or whatever. Um, the question I always always have to ask is, hey, do you have a second game for sale? Or do you know if there's somebody else, um, you know, nearby uh, where you live that has a game for sale? Because you can pretty much ship two games for the price of one, right? So um, you get a quote from North American Band Lines to ship one game. They'll tell you it's like, you know, 450 bucks. And then you say, okay, well, how much would it be to ship two games? And they'll tell you, oh, it's like 460 bucks. Right. So it's just, you know, it's just more cost-effective to get two games. So I got, um, I don't remember what game I bought with it, but I, I got a game. I said, hey, do you have anything else to sell? They're like, no, not really, but we have this Monaco GP. Um, you know, like the, there's, I guess there's, I think there's two versions of Monaco GP. There's the Mini, which is like the regular version, and there's the Cockpit. I think Super Monaco GP had three versions. Uh, I don't remember for sure, but it doesn't matter. So we had the, um, just like the Monaco GP that we have at Grinker's right now, the little miniature upright. Um, I got, um, he's like, hey, I have another Monaco GP, but it's just rusted and it's, you know, it's uh, it's a disaster. I was like, hey, you know what, what do you want for it? He said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you for 100 bucks. But it's got the boards and, you know, maybe you get some good parts out of it. So I said, okay, sure. Um, anyway, I got this game, and it was, I mean, it was it was worse than the dual system. I thought the dual system was bad. This thing was just as bad as the dual system um, as far as the cabinet being rickety, but in addition to that, everything's totally rusted out. I mean, the you look at the steering column, it's rusted. The pedal is rusted. The bolts are rusted. It's just, it's just a rickety, rusty huge piece of shit, and, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll throw this game in the corner, maybe one day I'll deal with it, and Dan, um, again, who's Patrick on the forums, um, he he saw it, and he's like, hey, you know, would you uh, would you sell it to me, and uh, I said, well, yeah, sure, you know, um, I said, well, just take it, he's like, no, let me sell it to me, I was like, okay, give me 50 bucks for it, so I sold it to him for 50 bucks, um, so if, if you think about it, um, I'm now, as far as the investment in this game so far, the way I look at it is, you know, it cost me a hundred bucks to buy it, and um, about two hundred bucks to ship it down, or two hundred twenty-five bucks to ship it down. So, um, so half the total shipping cost. So, a hundred bucks to buy it, two hundred twenty-five bucks to ship it down. That's three hundred twenty-five dollars that I had into it. I sold it to Dan for fifty. So now we had it. You know, now we're into it for like two hundred seventy-five bucks. Um, Dan has spent, and I kid you not, because we talk about it every week. You know, hey, how's the Monaco coming? How's the Monaco coming? He, the guy, Dan's got to have a hundred hours into this game, and he's bought boards for it, and he's bought, um, you know, a new steering wheel for it. You know, and so he's into it parts wise. He's into it, you know, another two hundred and fifty bucks, and then labor. You know, he got. I don't know if it's 100 hours or 50 hours, but he's got a lot of time in it. And so if you look at between the, the investment and um, in the original game and the shipping and the parts and the labor, I mean, there's probably, you know, 1500 bucks in 
investment in, in in bringing this game back to life. And the game the game is probably only worth four hundred bucks. Right. So <laughs> it, it it makes you know it's if if you look at this hobby from uh you know from a money making standpoint, sometimes I guess you could make some money on it, but more often than not, you know, this is definitely a labor of love and. Um, when I when when he, we're talking about him bringing that Monaco back to life, yeah, that's just really rewarding. It's it's we I I know that not only that Monaco but a lot of the other games that we have at Brinkers, um, a lot of those games were destined for you know the the junk heap. They were going nowhere. Uh, they were they were going to go to the to the trash and bringing them back and and. Giving them new life is, you know, it's 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 fun. Um, it's rewarding. Like Adam, you were saying that you just love working on them, um, and you know, it's it's true. It's fun to it's fun to keep these things working and to to breathe new life into them. Yeah, definitely cool. Yeah, something about taking a game that's been sitting in some guy's basement for ten years, you know, hasn't seen any life, and then all of a sudden, within a few hours, there's Mario running around on the screen. That's just so cool to me. Super awesome. It's the same as the car guys get too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think any any, any hobby that re- uh, includes restoration of any kind has that kind of sense to it. You'll you'll never get back out of it what you put into it, as far as like the the money that's involved, but like. <laughs> The journey, the, the 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 trip to bring it back to life is so fucking rewarding. Yeah. You know, and like like for the hobby stuff, it's like I you know, I, I don't go to strip clubs. You know, I don't I don't much regularly. There you go. But it's like, you know, it's like uh yeah, this this is like the shit that like keeps me going. This is like what fills my life with um satisfaction. You know, I come out here, I work on projects, I fix a game, I rebuild a monitor, like whatever it is, it's like I'm working on stuff. That's so rewarding, just that job. The journey is so rewarding. Yeah, yeah I think it's, I mean I think a lot of a lot of people, a lot of us are that same way where um, we like to play the games but we, we probably spend more time working on them. Or thinking about working on them, or <laughs> or reading or re- about other people working yeah. on them, or yeah. researching their history. Yeah, or yeah, yeah or, or learning more about them than we actually do playing them. <laughs> but that's the fun of it, I think. I'm trying to but, think of how many games I own that I haven't touched, even when I bought them and they were in good shape and and working. Like I feel like I have to have my hands on everything. And then I start thinking about things that I could improve on it. You know. Right, and then you'd have the free play ROM and the uh, yeah the uh, NVRAM and and uh, hey, why doesn't that uh, tube uh, need a tube swap? We should go ahead and yeah, do that. yeah. That I mean, that's what uh, when me and my wife were living in in this apartment for a while, and at the time I only had my Miss Pac-Man and um, our Mega Touch, and I was looking at the Miss Pac-Man monitor, and it was you know like pretty darn good, but one day I was like. You know, I was just begging for a project, and I'm looking at the monitor, and there, I'm like, I think I can get that little tiny bit of curl on the right side done. And I go <laughs> in the back, I start tinkering with it, and uh, the B plus pot crumbles apart. And I'm like, oh, well, all right, I guess I need to pull this monitor out, and became a became a project. And my wife's like, you're enjoying this, aren't you? That you have this project. I'm like, it was, I'm like 
Uh, kind of. <laughs> Tim, we need to buy a goddamn house. We're working on it. That's why I, I haven't done anything else. I've, Everybody has a job now. I, yeah, everything's, I see you. Uh, everything's in, on a inspection. For the last, uh, what, coming up on uh, eight months or whatever, we've been nine months, we've been doing this shit. All I see is you, Marvel Madness, Red Tent. <laughs> Red Tent. <laughs> Like, uh, is that a Bigfoot poster behind you? Uh, that one. No, is, the other one. Oh, that's a snowboarding poster from that's back awesome. when I was a, when I was a youngin. From, from here, it looks like a, a Bigfoot sighting. <laughs> <laughs> it could that's be. Nice. It could be. I, I have pretty big feet. No. <laughs> that was from. That was actually from Colorado. I was in Vail when nice. I was eighteen. Yeah. Oh, nice. But, uh, hey, Jim, was it was it you that told me about the one up in Denver about a certain game that they might have? Somebody somebody hit me up on the forums. I don't remember who it was, but they said, "Hey, I saw Jim's." Oh, it wasn't you because it was they were referring to your oh. thread. They say, "Hey, I saw." Maybe it was in the thread, but they said, "I saw Jim's thread about." Um, looking for a super punch out, and the one up in Denver has one, um, but it's in the back room and it's been there for months, and they're not using it. So contact them. Really? And yep. And so I, I had never contacted those guys before, and so I said, okay, whatever. I'll, I'll use this as an excuse to say hi. So I, I, uh, I sent an email to them. I said, hey. I said, actually, I said, I said, yo. This is Steve from Grinkers. I heard from somebody that you might have a super punch out that you might be willing to sell or trade. Um, you know, give me a, you know, hit me back and let me know if uh, if that's the case or not. And he replied back with like this, and I had a smiley face and all kinds of like just a cool, friendly email, right? And he he replied back with like this four-word sentence, um, something like, "No, we don't." Wow. <laughs> so, so I so I emailed him back. I emailed him back and I said I said my email started with yo with an exclamation point and a smiley face or whatever. So he, he replied back and said, No, we don't. And so I replied back to him and I said, Can I at least get a yo? And and he replied back and, and he said, Yo, yo, yo with an exclamation point. And I replied back and said, Cool, thanks. So anyway, he says he doesn't have doesn't have a, 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 a. I think they have the SPO. I just don't think they want to get rid of it. Sure. Um, so hey, I just want to let you know I tried. Oh, I uh, appreciate it. I, I'm still. I've I've been bumping. I people are probably sick of my freaking wanted to buy thread because I bump it like every other day, and it's always that weird time. Sometimes I'll bump it at like one in the morning. The next day I'm like, maybe I should do this in the morning. So I'll do it like 9 a.m. and um, yeah, it's. I, I just don't understand it. Like it doesn't seem like that long ago where there are tons of these uh, flowing about. Or I, I, you know, after Grinkers, I'm sure I'll see for sale threads. So hey, we got a super punch out. Yeah. Or I have an Arkanoid Revenge of Doe. Like I've had a lot of people contact me and be like, Yeah, I've got an Arkanoid. I'm like, Is it a Revenge of Doe? Oh, I'm like yeah, okay, <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> so well, do you think you already have a punch out? What's that? Who, uh, do you already have a punch out? Adam. Just looking for a super punch out, or yeah, super punch out. We have a punch out, but Jim wants to go for a world record. Yeah, um, on both those games. Yeah. Oh wow! And unfortunately, it's not. Uh, 
even even if you found like the board and stuff, it's it's not a real easy. You're better off finding a, an actual cabinet because you're gonna pay a ton for the joystick and you're gonna yeah. pay a ton for the board and because that board has like a security board too. Mm-hmm. So wow. And yeah, what's the space was doing the double punch right? Twenty six hundred. Yeah, I don't know whatever happened with that, or I, I know he had a few, but I don't know if he stopped doing them or mass producing or producing them or, or what the deal was. Adam, you don't have like a customer's one you could send out for a week for drinkers. <laughs> I don't. No, I have a. I have. I just actually just sent one out today. I have another one on the bench that I fixed. I got to send out, but they're both punch outs. I feel like um I haven't. I'm surprised that. There aren't more uh, Revenge of Dough boards because that's a JAMA board, and uh, when I got mine, they were pretty easy to find, and even even like the artwork and stuff. And now, I mean, I'm like, I would think of both of those games, that'd be the one that people would be hopping on. Oh, I've got an Arkanoid Arcon- two or whatever. Is, it, is that a, is that a conversion to Arkanoid, like a ROM swap, or is that a whole separate board? It's a different board because the original Arkanoid uh, was not JAMA. Um, it's, it's like thirty bucks usually. It's like a really cheap board, and Revenge of Doe is like pretty hard to find and expensive. <laughs> but but oh, yeah, really? that's another that's another one of those things where it's like I got my board for like under fifty bucks. Uh, uh-huh. But is it a superior version of the game? What's yeah what's yeah? Oh, okay. The sounds better. The power ups are better. Um, you can decide which route you want to go. Like at the end of the stage, you can choose to go left or right, which changes the um, the level order, kind of. Like there, there's a cool poster. I I've only seen it a few times. I'd like I should just buy it if I see it again. And it's got the whole like branched layout of the mm-hmm. levels. It's pretty cool. I it's, picked one up a couple of months ago. Uh, a dough. The board. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah, it it's, a, it's a JAMA board, and and so I mean, I'll, other than like a trackball, you can really throw it into just about any, or I mean, getting the spinner. You just need a cabinet. I got it off the guy. I don't know if you uh, if you guys follow him. There's a a YouTube channel where the guy was he bought like a warehouse out or an old operator out, and he was kept going around the warehouse and and selling, telling. Oh yeah, he's in Texas. Yeah, I can't remember what his channel is. Oh, well, I could probably. The arcade geek, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sounds right. So he was at Brofest. Yeah. Yeah, he had an arcade. uh, He had an Arkanoid um, cabinet in in a game in a Tato cabinet. But I wanted the dough, and I just messaged him and asked him if he had a dough, and he actually said he did have a board. So he shipped me his board. Sweet. Yeah, I paid, it was 100 bucks. Nice. Yeah. Hey, Adam, do you work on um, Galaga boards? No, not anymore. I'm just strictly Nintendo now. Right on. He's a I've Nintendo snob. Uh, <laughs> we have a, a Bosconian, which is... I guess similar to a Galaga board, and it's it's not happy. I, I got a um, I found a tested working Bosconian board which we got maybe a couple weeks ago. So Bosconian's happy again, but I have this board that's bad. So and I think was it is it Channel Manic that does a lot of board repair? Yeah, he's, he has. He's a, I'm uh, still very active with it, um, but. You might hit him up on the forum. I, I did. If it's what I'm thinking of, I hit him up, and he's like, "No, no time. Maybe yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> Try me in a year." 
for like the last year or two. Yeah, he's like traveling or something, right? Yeah, I think he travels a lot for work. Yeah. So, uh, is it becoming hard to find people to fix these things? Like, is Dick Milken doing stuff anymore? Do you guys know? I don't know. Because I do, I do know a guy up up this way that that fixes boards and everything. I wonder if I should tell him that put an ad up or something like that, and maybe he'll get people fixing, wanting him to fix his boards and stuff. Yeah, yeah we've got does a lot of it. Um, yeah. They're about as expensive as buying a new board. Yeah, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the labor involved, it is, it is pretty tough. Unless the board's like multiple hundreds of dollars in value. If it's less than a hundred bucks, it's probably going to be cheaper just to find a new one. Yeah, this guy's in his seventies and he's retired, so I mean, maybe he'll just do it for almost for something to do, and he wouldn't charge too much. I'm not sure. Huh. I should. I'll, I'll talk to him and see what he says, because he can pretty much fix anything. Nice. And he's been in the arcade, like fixing stuff for like since the seventies. He fixes wow. stuff for op- for operators. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's the guy who's getting all these games and all these like, uh, all oh, these right. boards, like the major havoc boards and all the stuff. He he fixes all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, he had like fifteen hundred boards or something. Jeez. I'm sure Clock would send him more work than he could ever want to do. That's what I'm wondering. I wonder if I wonder if he'd be interested in doing something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll ask him. I'll send him my Bosconian board, and we can use it as a test. Yeah, I'll I'll ask him. All right. I can't believe how fast Grinkers is coming. I just started thinking about the weeks like a couple of days ago. I'm like, when we break it down, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. It's pretty much like a month from now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's coming really up. Chris, uh, you know, this will be your first time, right, Jim? Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I really wanted to go last year. I just couldn't I just couldn't make it happen at the time. Do you drink beer? I can't. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> There's always an abundance of that going oh, on yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there have been many of these shows, Steve, where um, by the time Outsiders is done, this starts up. Uh, yeah, I'm already yeah. like slurring my words. What was the phrase <laughs> where I was like, uh, I was trying to pronounce like roller rink, and it was like roller stink or skink or something like that. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even. It's, it's on one. Well, I don't know if it was recorded, but yeah, it was. Uh, it, I like my beer. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I can't so. wait. Jim will fit right in, Steve. <laughs> It'll be a grand old time. Actually, guys, uh, on that note, I actually I have to rock out a little early tonight, so um, I'm going to duck out now. But I don't know I'll, if it's a little early. It's actually coming up on 12. Yeah, it's 2.30 my time. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's early for me. Normally, it's like another hour, hour and a half. But I was hoping to do, I think, next week, if we, um, since there's not going to be another show, obviously, um, I'll... I'll plan on doing like a gameplay video. I, I haven't decided if I'll do um, Marvel Madness or do some more eyes. I want to see if I can put up some good scores on eyes again. But Sweet. Yeah, you I got some extension cords. Uh, oh, not outside Arcade Outsiders, obviously. Okay, not that. Okay, I got you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is pretty solid. I'm, I'd be surprised if we canceled a show of this. Because <laughs> this is just pretty much, all right, who wants to join in? And, you know, well, camp at 10. Grinker's week or the week after Grinker's might be hard. Uh, yeah. yeah, we should probably like uh, yeah, plan on not doing this. I'll be on, I'm will be i going to be on the road for, like, I'm taking 10 days off, so 
after Grinkers, I'm going to be driving towards Portland. Cool. Oh boy. Yeah, we can we can use that as a recovery. Yeah, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo is the following weekend, so we usually go there too. Sweet. Have we have we missed anybody here? How about Chris number two? Did he go? Nope. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Are you the last one? Has everybody else gone? I think so. I think I'm the last one again. Okay. Uh All right, Chris. I'll have to. I'll have to listen to yours uh, uh, later on, but uh, I look forward to that. So. Jim. Jim. Jim's going. Dave's gonna come on. I bet you. Dave's been waiting to try to get on. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm I'm freeing up a spot. So I'll catch you guys later. Before you leave. Yeah. We didn't get to where we could find you online, your resume part of the uh, oh, yes. production. My resume part of the... Yeah, um, get a quickie of uh, what you do and uh, where to find you, and then get the fuck out of here. What, what I do, where <laughs> to find me. Um, uh, actually, I do. my background's in um, uh, video production and, um, and all that jazz. And then I also kind of have a technical side, but I have a really shitty website that has like my uh, demo reels and stuff, and that's on uh, uh, jamesdindorf.info. Um, otherwise, catch me on Clav, Jim Bodini, uh, or my YouTube channel, which is uh, in uh, under my name there. I'm, I've been trying to do some more videos, but I just haven't had freaking time. Like I do, I like to do um, other than the arcade stuff. Um, I like to do a lot of like best of videos and stuff, and I just I, those videos take so freaking long uh, because I have to write a commentary and and all the clips from the movies that I talk about. So I just haven't had time, and I've been you still have working too on too much dinner theater to go to. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I I started da- doing a lot of those videos well before I was married. So um, so that's another thing. But I, hey, I am still. Play, play your last name. Uh, D is in dog. I N N D O R F. Dot info. James Dinsworth. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's such a basic site. Well, we're still excitedly waiting for we die. Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm still working on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I'm still uh, going. I am, I'm about uh, two thirds of the way through all the the lines that I'm gonna pull from the movies. Those are fun. I love doing like collage, like mashup videos like that. So, do you actually shoot on film? What's that? Do you actually shoot on film? Not these days, I don't. But you have before. Look at that! You got a headshot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am obviously not a web designer, but uh... (laughs) Uh, it looks good, man. It looks really good. Thanks. So. But yeah, I, I like uh, actually I've got a, a few. I'm looking for new work right now, so I uh, do. I don't know if I want to get into this. I think I've mentioned it before, but back in '11, I was laid off from my production job that I had, and um, so I had to look out. I couldn't find anything during the recession, so I had to um, kind of look outside my tunnel vision. And I kind of have a techie techie background. I like to you know work on computers and fix stuff, and so um, I work for a school district now. And uh, doing kind of tech support for everyone, but um, I've got a couple of interviews coming up that I'm that I'm got my fingers crossed for. One in particular next month for um, 
the city of Minneapolis here, working for the attorneys and handling all of the digital video and audio evidence that comes through. So like the police officers that have their body cams and stuff, I would be handling that and prepping that for the attorneys. So, oh, wow. so I'm really, yeah, that, that to me that. sounds really, really interesting. <laughs> You're going to see some interesting footage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. can't imagine what a non-disclosure for that would be. Oh, like, yeah. Time gag order on you. <laughs> yeah, freaking nuts. But, hey, did uh, you do this, um, did you do this black and white shot with everything's black and white except for the red blood? Yeah, yeah. How did you do that? Um... So the the that's from um, a short movie that we did for, for the 48-hour film festival, and um, it was about an artist. And uh, at the end, he he um, he ends up killing someone to make a painting. And so we put we had it. He um, Matt is his name, and he had all this red paint all over his hands, and that was really the only thing that was red. So it was really easy um, to. To shoot it, and we had it lit so that everything else was kind of pale in comparison. It was almost gray, and so when when we were in post, we basically um, in After Effects desaturated everything else except the red, and and added some saturation to that, and then basically keyed out everything else. And um, so I, I adding that saturation made it look even like way well more defined than it was, but. Most so of it like was a, done. In, most of it was done in camera. Yeah. Is there like a magic wand tool or something that you could use to select the blood? There's there's filters. Um, there's a filter. I don't know if I use the one called Leave Color in After Effects, which allows you to select kind of a range. But adding, but playing with the saturation helps that because it's it's usually um, it, it's got a bad cutoff, so. Yeah, playing with the saturation helps that, and a few and crushing some of the levels, but most of it was was camera. You know, we 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 planned on that effect. It wasn't an afterthought. It's awesome though, dude. This is good. This is like serious quality work. Thanks. All of this. Yeah, we did a lot of the forty-eight hour film fest, and they're they're a lot of fun. Um, now now most of the stuff that we shoot, most of the short films is. Uh, is is all uh, grant backed. So like the Central Minnesota Arts Board, they um they get they uh the last few shorts that we've done have been back backed by grants from them, so that we can actually pay get paid and and stuff to do. Yeah, I mean it's it's nothing. I mean we're we're working for <laughs> for next to nothing, but it, it's enough to you know pay for the food and the crew and um at the, and give the actors something. So. I see, reading here, you want to be a part of a major motion picture production crew. Like, have you ever thought about moving to like California or to Vancouver? I've thought about it. Uh, you know, when I wrote that, you know, I was kind of just shooting for for the stars. But I, I've worked so many jobs where I've been a one man show, and I absolutely am sick of it. Like, I'd much rather devote a hundred percent into one little niche, um, whether it's cinematography, editing, or sound, or any of that stuff. But uh, to answer your question, uh, yeah, I, I mean, me and my wife have kind of agreed that if something came up uh, that presented an opportunity that, you know, that's not out of the question. It's just, it's one of those things now where we're trying to, you know, a lot of, lot of big things on the horizon in, in terms of like house and kids and all that stuff, um, trying to kind of plant our feet. 
that it's not one of those things where I would just move out there hoping to land something. It would have to be more, um, I don't know what the word is, a little more concrete. Yeah, no, I was just asking. I mean, there's I mean, yeah. Vancouver's a huge movie and TV place, right? So yeah, and there's Hollywood a Hollywood North, they call it. Right, and and there's actually you know there's a lot of production houses and, and stuff in the Twin Cities here, but um, but yeah, I, I've definitely thought about it, um, and and if something were to happen, yeah, we would uh, we would absolutely move. But um, you know, for now, I, I that that dream might be put on. Is obviously being put on hold a little bit, but you know, might as well shoot for the stars. So, sweet dreams. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. But all right, guys, I gotta duck out, but it's been fun. All right, night, Jim. Yep. See you guys later, man. Later. Yeah, I'm gonna head out too, guys. It's 2:40 a.m. my time. Later, Adam. All right, good hanging out with you guys. Thanks for staying so long. You bet. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Good night. Bye. All right, Chris, number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my girlfriend, I was Chris number four because apparently she liked dating Chris's. Nice. Oh. So she called me Chris. Uh, Chris 4.0. I oh, we swear can, we I can never call you Chris 4.0 if you wish. Yeah, no well, thanks. <laughs> that didn't take Dave long to get in here. Well, that was quick. So, <laughs> anywho, I got it working. Unfortunately, I wired it backwards. So instead of putting plus 5 on plus 5, I put the 12 into there. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, blew four cops off the board. Luckily, I had some spares kicking around. But uh, now I don't have... I had audio, lost it. I had coin, but then I lost it. So I can still use the service switch to apply a credit. I can't use run one on either player station, and I have no red on the monitor. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I did. <laughs> and it's, it's not like there's something wrong on the monitor, because I can turn up the red drive, I can turn up the red adjust and the screen will go nice and red. But when I try to bring... When I bring the red down so I can't see it everywhere on the screen, there is no red on uh, the parts that need it, so the track and the word field in the logo. Is this because you used the JAMA harness and made an adapter, or how did you do this? Oh, I got a... I bought a Edge a Konami 18 to... I do math on that one. 23 adapter or the edge canter itself. But I thought I was smart by putting on the parts and made two labels, one parts, one solder. But I guess I had it flipped around when I was putting the pins in. So when I went to put on the game, everything was on the wrong side of the adapter, but on the opposite end as well. Uh, uh, That explains why... (laughs) Uh, plug it in go, okay, this still isn't working. Turn it back off. Go down. Like, did I put the connector on the right way? And I look at it and go, oh, wait a minute. All these, all the grounds are tied together. Why the hell is the audio going in to the ground? Shit. I got it backwards. And I look at the, diag- the uh, pin out and go, and just real, I have this moment of, holy crap, I've been putting... 
12 volts through the 5 volts this whole damn time. So, I, I, didn't, I can play it like it's on free play right now, but I can't use uh, run one on either panel. Definitely see there's no red in it. Yeah. yeah. And that's red turned all the way up. And the other funny thing is, you know how you have to push the buttons um, in sequence to do the running? I can just push button two, and it goes. I don't even have to, like, button one doesn't give me any response. And you can just hold button two? No, hold does nothing, but, like, I'm just pushing run two here, and my guy's beating the computer. And last I checked, I should have to hit one, two, one, two, one, two. But I'm only hitting button two, and it's racing. What about the player two side? Well, I'm on player two right here. Oh, have you double have you double checked your wiring to your control panel? And tripled and quadrupled. Mm. Wait a minute, player. How is player player one should be on this side, right? Player one, I believe, is on the right side. Okay, so how am I pushing run? Run on player two and four and getting it to go. Well, that's why I was wondering if you have if you do have your wiring messed up. No, I checked that th- thirteen damn times. You might have to check it fourteen. Apparently. <laughs> the weird thing is, I had sound and then it just stopped. Well, I mean, if you were if you were nailing the five volt with uh, twelve volt. Uh, you get all, all kinds of weird problems. Like, uh, after I fixed the 12-volt to 5-volt issue, correct? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 what may have happened to the board at that point. Yeah, I mean, you could have fried so many components. Yeah, besides the three capacitors, I has been 20 minutes hoping to God I had a backup somewhere in this house. Yeah, I mean, the caps may blow or go out, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's all it went out. Yeah, that was that was my fear as soon as the, I realized there was no red, and the buttons were funny, finicky. I mean, anything could have gone out resistors, transistors, anything really. Could have gone into the RAM and the ROM too, correct? Oh, uh, any of the ICs. Mm. Could have fried some traces. Yeah, I, I checked. There was no visible signs of burnt crap besides the capacitors, but uh, yeah, what, what, one of them went quite horribly. Um, it actually blew the entire top off of it and all the guts in the inside came pouring out. Right. Well, so, I mean, at that point, you, you definitely could have taken out all kinds of different components. So is it is it wired for JAMA and then you've got an adapter in it? Is that... No, I, I took the JAMA, conne- the JAMA connector off and I put in, uh, put on a proper Konami uh, 18 to 32 adapt- uh, edge connector. Okay, so it's 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 a JAMA harness, but it's actually a Konami connector now. Yeah, uh, yes, but I rewired it all so that it's back to original track and field wiring schematic. I was only asking that because if it was still JAMA and you had an adapter, on, maybe you could throw another JAMA board in there and see what it does. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a possibility. Yeah, but the. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm looking at sending it for repairs or should I just put it out to old out to a pasture there and get a new one? 
do you have anyone else in the area that you can get a, another board from to test, or someone else can test your board, their machine? No one in Ottawa that I know of. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing about Ottawa is there's like three or four people that are based in Ottawa on Kalov, but none of them have been active in a decade. Right, yeah, yeah. So, Senators. Yes. <laughs> have you been on the Canadian Game Collectors Forum? Uh, I will be in a moment. There is a Canadian Game Collectors Forum, and almost everybody's from Ontario. Okay. That's... I've been on. It's been around for years and years and years. I don't go on it very often because most people are from, like I said, Ontario. So. Yeah, it might be nice to test your board in someone else's machine. I mean, someone might be a little bit hesitant to test their board in your machine at this point, but. Yeah. You know, before you send it out for repairs, it'd be nice to, to, to do a quick test in someone else's. What, Canadian collectors? Is that what you said? It's cgcc.ca. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> uh, Canadian Canola Growers Association? No. <laughs> CCGA, is that not what you just said? CGA. Uh, right, that's one. There. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm out of here. I gotta get up early and take my kid to school. Night, Steve. Thanks. All right, night. Thanks, guys. Good Jack left us too, apparently. Next Tuesday. Yeah. See you, Steve. See you, see you, see you Tuesday, Steve. guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, look at that. So if you go to forum, there's a, a, a coin up corner, so you might be able to go in there and talk to people. Yeah, because yeah, they're, they're mostly from Ontario. See if you can make a connection there. That that would probably be your best bet before you send it out again. Yeah, yeah I know there's know. guys on there too that don't uh, that don't go on Clove at all. So. Right, right. At least, at least in the past, I haven't been on there for a while now, but. I'm still pretty active. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's it's a pretty active site. <laughs> so yeah, it just you might actually. Yeah, I think there's a way somewhere in there too to find out where people are from. Okay, oh member member list maybe. Yep, there's a member member list the, on the right hand side in the top. Yeah, there's an Alberta in here. Yeah, no, there's there. I mean, there's a BC because I'm in it too, but um, there's mostly Ontario. Hey, Ottawa, I like that name. Yeah, and there's like 87 pages of members there, so. Ah. If only they had a header that could clip gone and have it all sorted. Uh... Yeah, I noticed that they don't have that. But it might be able to message people or whatever. But there you go, you can try that. Yeah, I'll definitely keep that one in the piggy bank for tomorrow when I get off work in 12 hours. <laughs> off work in 12 hours. Yeah. Oh, uh, last week there, I had to ditch out early. Boss calls and says, "Yeah, the alarm company just called. We lost one of the refrigerators is uh, going a little too warm." I get in there; it's pretty much an oven. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit too warm. Yeah, three three grand worth of food out the door was uh, the equivalent of probably around 100 degrees Fahrenheit, I think. If I got my math right. Yes. Basically, the compressor failed horribly, so I had a. Freaking bomb this thing out in the dumpsters. 
at the other end of the strip mall to start throwing this stuff out. I ended up borrowing a wheelbarrow from the landlord's little shed there and uh, just hauling, did like 10 loads of dead fish and <laughs> we, had, we had just gotten all the, the, the seafood in. Oh, There's salmon, there's mussels. Oh, gross. Luckily, the calamari was in the freezer because I hadn't processed it yet. Oh, my God. Oh, I think the worst was the chicken and the uh, two veal shanks that hadn't been uh, brought to the butcher yet. I, yeah. I don't feel like having anything to eat right now. Yeah. <laughs> I had some macaroni salad earlier. That was pretty good. Just pluck off the blue stuff. It's perfectly edible. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't hungry now, then you are now. But, yeah. So does that do anything that's wrong with your game then? Everything else you've got? You've got the marquee and you've got everything else going now? Uh, the marquee, I have the power disconnected to it because every time I turn it on and I'm listening to something, not on my old laptop, but on the good one that I can actually um, do the hangout with, if I, as soon as I turn it on that mar and the bulb kicks in, I lose my audio. Uh, you got interference, interference, you mean? That's what I'm thinking, because uh, this lovely piece of crap Dream Gear headphone, it's been giving me a lot of issues. Like, you remember when I used to, like, I'd go fill my water bottle, and I'd have the button on the control box off, so no, so no microphone, but yet you guys could still hear me when the microphone was off. Is all, all, all the grounds on the uh, cabinet, including the, uh, the the earth ground on the plug, working properly? All the gr all the grounds are in properly. So they're not wired up to twelve volts. <laughs> I'm not going to hear the end of this one for a while, am I? <laughs> oh fuck! But uh, no, I checked. Uh, I checked all the grounds and anything that needs field grounds, so all the metal work. Did you replace the bulb or the starter or the, any of that stuff? I swapped out the starter with the its sister from the pack I got, and same same deal. As soon as the starter, as soon as the bulb kicks in, right at that point where bulb on starter goes into idle, right there, it just trips the audio. I can restart it, but it trips the audio as soon as I do it. Weird. I get that with our my microwave at home. It kills all my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, god damn it! It's a good. It's a good thing mach machines have plugs. Sometimes you just want to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> we we had a we had a server, and if that thing, if they if both of them lost power, say the seven hour power outage we had, if you didn't unplug one of them to let the other one boot completely first before plugging in the second one. You'd have to restart them anyway, and it always would happen in the middle of the day. Because one was looking for a certain file to launch, be available first before it booted. Nice. Yeah, I love technology. <laughs> are you are, are you vaping it just like Andrew? Yeah. Uh, okay, just curious. Except I'm not a cocky uh, a cocky guy with the vapor and just launching big smoke. Plumes that cover up the entire place. <laughs> what are you saying? You've, you've, had, you've had a couple of good yeah, ones. I think you say that Andrew's cocky with his smoke plumes. <laughs> cocky with more of my smoke plumes. 
Dave, yeah, my, mine just is... laughing his ass off. <laughs> you must be getting late. <laughs> there you go. There's a nice smoke plume. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the presentation. Yeah, that's... Uh, I did get the... Uh, I got new bulbs there for the coin door lights, so they're nice and red, except one of them is missing the um, the uh, amount decal, which I'm off redo. But other than that, I just got to figure out how bad I destroyed this board and if there's anyone locally that might have it. So you can sort of play it in the meantime? I, 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 can, I can play it just fine, but for some reason I just realized this when I uh, test with you guys there, but the button I'm pushing should be making player two run, but it's making player one um, run. Right. Which, I mean, you might in the in the end you might be better just to see if you can find another board than just sell that one as working. But with issues, you might get half your money back. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to again do another check to make sure because it's kind of weird that a game that had a f- extra couple of bolts put through it would help somehow switch control panels or switch sides of the control panel. Well, that seems weird to me. You could have done all kinds of weird damage to the board, though, so that's that seems strange, but it's outside the realm of possibility. You could have done something to one of the ICs, too, right? That that could do something like that. Exactly. There's all kinds of... I mean, you you basically put more than twice the the voltage down that line that's there, so... Like it, it, it wants like the five volt rails that have everything on it wants five volts v- DC, and I essentially shoved another what twelve volts. Well, uh, freaking... yeah, on top of that. Yeah. Do you so, have a do you have a, like an EEPROM burner? No. No, the only thing that requires DOS to run in this house is a Doom ninety five. <laughs> well, mine's not DOS. Oh, uh, mine is because he had to use Windows 95 to boot it. I still have the Windows 95 um, three and a half inch floppy installer disk somewhere around here. Let's so say you can maybe reburn the ROMs or something just to see if that fixed anything. Because you or never know. Drop them in there and then dump them and see what they're doing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, one of those things. But I have to. I have some debts I have to pay back first. Before I can spend much more money, don't we all? Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. uh, that's about it for me. All right. Do uh, I don't know how everybody is doing here. Do we want to let uh, Dave from Buffalo, who just joined us, do, do a little talk, or are we are we done here? D- Dave, can you compress this into two minutes? <laughs> um, After he takes a leak. No, no. <laughs> Uh, what do you want to hear? Arcade-related stuff, or my how I got into arcade? I caught this at the tail end. What do you want me to talk about? I can talk about either. How I got into playing games, or uh, we were talking about the history, or I can talk about what I what games I got recently, or what do you want to hear? I know, I'm trying to figure out what your comment is here. Uh, you know, uh, we've been mostly talking about history tonight. Talking about history from uh, I'll do I'll do everything in two minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> Why ask? Damn it! <laughs> I, I uh, uh, last Sunday I did I purchased an Asteroids off of Craigslist for uh, two hundred dollars. 
Nice. Woo. Yes, yes. I'm new to this. The uh, it has Necklo. The player wanted to start our. Uh, I think they're blinking at this point, and but I'm getting a, a the light on the PCB is also lit. It's sort of the, the the game looks amazing. It doesn't even work, but I, I just like looking at it. Uh, I got the asteroids for 200 bucks. And it's sitting next to Donkey Kong, and I haven't done anything with it. The big arcade thing I did this last week is I replaced the trackball on my centipede, which I heard if you you know sometimes it doesn't coincide. You replace it, and it's it's not you know up down left right whatever. It's not a, a clean you know. Uh, I got it from arcade shop, new trackball, and then I'm like, oh god, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what am I gonna do? I don't know what wire is gonna go left and right. So I went on uh, YouTube and and uh, Jumble Junkie had the same issue, and I looked, did it. Two seconds later, I got a perfect trackball. Nice. Nope, I, I couldn't believe it. And, and I'm looking at, the, I'm like, oh, I love you, thank you. I'm new to this. I'm watching his video, and he's like, just take a sharp object. You just have to, because the optical boards. I'm talking on it. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, actually, but you're right. Is the two optical boards, and he's yep. like, if you just the Molex connector, you just got to switch the red and the green, yep. or uh, the yellow and the green, and just switch them, and you just put a sharp object in, just switch it. You don't have to do anything else, and it worked 100. percent It's not like a million bucks. I couldn't believe it worked. It is now <laughs> 10 minutes after one. My yes. time. I gotta go to fucking bed. Yeah. It's uh, three o'clock my time. Three o'clock my time. Cool. All right. Well, then we can end the bad boy. Cool. Andrew, you gotta do a video on that uh, cocktail Robotron. <laughs> yeah, I got, I've got a couple little projects for it, so it's definitely coming up. That is badass. The day you want to sell it, I'm a buyer. <laughs> Crap. How much one? How much one do you want to spend? There's one up here for sale. Yeah, I live in Miami. How much is the shipping? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, uh, you'd have to ask the shipping company. I don't think you can get any further. Three, four hundred bucks is what it's gonna cost to ship it. Yep. I mean, I could take it across the line for you, so it's just uh, Washington State to to Miami. But you'd have to organize all that stuff. Um, but there has been one, there's been one up here for sale for. A while, um, it's a thousand, but it's a thousand Canadian, which is like seven hundred or even less than that U.S. And that's what he's asking. So, wow, sounds so might, Yeah, you might be able to get it cheaper. Uh, it might still be up if you do a search for Vancouver Craigslist and just do a search for Robotron cocktail. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to to pick it up and take it across the border if if you want to do something like that. Appreciate that, Brad. I'll let you know. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I've never seen a Robotron cocktail before. I've actually seen this one before. It was. It was. I think he's having monitor problems, and this guy knows nothing about arcade games whatsoever. Because uh-huh. I, I picked up. Uh, actually, that's where I got my big lot of like 120 PCBs before. Was from this guy, and he took me upstairs, upstairs to his house, and that's all he had was a Robotron cocktail, and it was it was pretty damn minty. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember back in the day, uh, I was in one of the arcades down here in Florida, and uh, 
they brought out a Robotron, art, you know, upright and a cocktail out of the box the yeah. year they came out, and I still remember that date to this day. It's crazy. Uh, I've seen Robotron uh, minis and new ones coming out of the box just a couple of years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. All right, cool. Uh, All right. Let's call it night. Thank you, everybody, for uh, coming on to the show, and thanks for everybody for watching. Um, and just let everybody know we are doing this uh, every Tuesday um, around 8 p.m. If VGO is, or if Arcade Outsiders is not on, if for those of you that watch out Arcade Outsiders, and if it is on, it'll be around 11 p.m. Pacific. Um, but for the next foreseeable couple of weeks anyways, I think we're going to be doing an 8 p.m. Pacific time. So that's uh, that's a wrap. All right. See you guys later. All right. Bye. Take it easy, everyone. See you guys. Good night. Bye, everybody. Have a good one.